All right, everybody, we are back in action here with Chris Rowe from Chris from Rowe Hunting Resources, not Chris Rowe. <laughs> We're, this is part two of the uh, elk calling and strategy podcast here. So um, we all just went to the bathroom and now we're back. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that uh, Chris and I t- were talking about yesterday and w- Chris, what do we talk every three to five months? <laughs> Whenever you answer my phone calls and text. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least, you know, I don't ever call you when I need something, right? What is I, that you, Facebook thing? You've got what you make one phone call and if they pick up, you get shot in the head. Yeah. I'm like, that, that's easy. That's done. I'll call Aaron. Yeah. I'm alive <laughs> and well. <laughs> that's true. It's, it's bad. Frank and I were talking about that and this is not you, but you know who your true friends are when they don't call you when they need something. Um, yeah. And- that list is pretty fucking small for me and Frank. Um, you hardly ever call when you need something. I mean, when you need a pack or whatever, obviously you're going to call. But we, when I when I want to overanalyze packs, is oh what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we have a lot of people that only call when they need something, and then we also can predetermine when someone starts tagging us, they are about to call. Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. It's generally the day yes. before. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, this guy just tagged me in five photos. Yeah, they're calling tomorrow. But what we were, we were talking about, um, kind of giving an, an analogy or, or kind of paralleling, you know, me going into traditional archery and having Tom Clum to mold me, um, to, to get me started on the right path with the right mechanics, the right setup, the right everything to where if I was silly putty, he, he molded me into, you know, the best that he could do <laughs> with my shooting ability in traditional archery and coming at it kind of green, uh, he was able to really mold me to whatever he wanted to be. One of the things that's important if you're just getting into elk calling is, uh, and again, you know, pumping Chris's tires, hop on, um, well, and, and list all this off so people know where to find it and what to look for. Go, where, where, It's Roe Hunting Resources, yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, and, and it's R-O-E, like fish eggs or the roe deer. It's R-O-E, Roe Hunting Resources. So if you want to find me or, or it, it, all the social media is the same. So Instagram, Facebook, it's Roe Hunting Resources, YouTube channel, Roe Hunting Resources, but RoeHuntingResources.com. All of my educational material there, it's basically an online subscription. We started it in 2010, really got things cranking in 2011 and 12. It's essentially, and it's all video-based because I want people to see this stuff. Again, like we talked about last time, anybody can flap their gums at you. Anybody can talk and, and say X, Y, Z. Back it up. Prove it. That's what we do. What I do, I spend a lot of time throughout the year, summer, fall, winter, spring, videoing elk, getting footage, getting vocalizations, getting audio. So that way, when I talk about something or when when we we go into a concept, I can tell you about it, but then I've got the video to back up and show you what's going on. So there's an entire section. It's So it's an online library. So you you get a subscription. There's all sorts of different levels. Some are as cheap as like 25 bucks and others are, you know, maybe 50 bucks or more, but you can get whatever level you want. And it's kind of like you just, you get the subscription and you can get in there. We've got about 40 plus hours of video, but it's broken out. So like the beginning, if, and, and I think we're going to get into this because I think it's important. And you, Aaron, it, I am, I will say this. I'll pump your tires a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to sound like the old man, but dude, I am like sincerely proud 
from a friendship standpoint, I am I am very proud of of seeing where you were, where you've been, and where you are now, and and what you're doing. I mean, the the development that, especially from what you're where, where we're going to talk about with Tom, is is incredible. And there's a foundation there. So if you go through my stuff, you're going to see it's broken out into okay, the background, you know, the philosophy. Here's the the fundamental ideology that I have and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like we talked about before. Okay, I'm coming from a, a solo calling scenario. Okay, this that's my philosophy. So anybody that's coming into this understands I'm talking about putting elk in my lap. And then there's the foundation. You know, you start with behavior, understanding basic gate. Why are elk doing what they're doing? Why are they talking? Why do they move across the landscape the way they do? How do we pick setups accordingly? How do, you know, what affects elk vocalizations and, and movement and everything else. Then we move into vocalizations. We talk about all sorts of stuff there. Then we have the gallery. Then you've got, there's so many different layers of resources of information there that it helps build a very robust foundation of biological truth is, is, is truthful. You know, one of the things that you can never, from a behavioral sciences standpoint, and this is another thing that I can think separates the website, what we do from everybody else. You can never prove something to be. The only thing that you get from a behavioral standpoint, the only thing you can do is disprove it. There are so many people out there that are every year going into the field, they get an experience, they say, oh, this is what happened. And then from there on out, they are out there trying to find examples and evidence that's going to support that that help build their case that, that help, you know, kind of sell that message. I do the exact opposite. I'll have an experience. We'll go out and we'll get something. And then from there on out, I'm like, all right, well, this is what it looks like based on all the behavior and everything else. Can I go out and I find examples to disprove it? You know, we, you know, we talk about the estrus call. I can disprove that eight ways from, so we can get into that. You know what you want to talk about, you know, the bull calling cows bugle, or we want to talk about challenge bugle. There's so much stuff in there that we could talk about from a behavioral standpoint. But um, if you have a solid foundation on, based on, on behavioral truths that you can, that you can identify, it makes things so much easier. And I think you've seen that with Tom. You you didn't go into shooting archery through Tom. You had already had much experience shooting, but it wasn't until you got under Tom's tutelage that, I mean, he, he brought you right back to square one beginning. Right. And I, I, in, in trying to parallel these as a, it's perfect compound archer. I was as, well, I could shoot really, really well, but traditional is totally different. So he was able to, because it is totally different, take a little bit of what I already had or, or a, a lot of what I had on the compound side of things and then, you know, put that into a context of how I could use that for the traditional side of things and, and mold it together because I could shoot as good as anyone with a compound. I couldn't hit anything with a recurve um, without his help. He had to to mold that. He had to be able to take all of that previous knowledge, get rid of some of it, discard the bad stuff, keep the good stuff, mold it from there. And, and it, again, he also helped me mold on the hunting side of things 
I have to hunt differently. Um, I, I do. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a total package. You can't just shoot good. You, you also have to hunt differently. But uh, Tom was able to do, you know, all of that. And calling is no different. And the reason why I brought it up is if you take a guy, you know, in the parallel of, uh, of me shooting a compound, a guy that has been successful calling elk, that does not by any means mean he does not have a lot to learn or can be molded differently or needs to get rid of, you know, junk some of the stuff and gather new. And that's one thing where me being as, as honest as I can be, I really need to pay more attention and, and go through everything that you offer because a lot of when I kill stuff is determination and stubbornness and physical fitness and animal behavior not calling where if I was um, uh, a more seasoned well I'm a very seasoned caller but that doesn't mean a seasoned caller is a good caller it just means they're seasoned like you can have a seasoned steak that tastes like shit <laughs> um, there and there's certain situations I'm setting myself up for where my calling will work for me. Meaning, if I sneak in close enough and call cow call mildly to a young dumb bull, it's probably going to work, right? He's young, he's dumb, and I've set. But that does not mean on a trophy hunting. When I say trophy hunting, meaning hunting. When I say trophy. A cow is a trophy to some. What I'm talking about is the oldest or older, more dominant, mature species. Yeah, you want to tackle a nine-year-old bull. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be a different ball game. Oh, yeah. And and I remember we did a, a seminar, um, and in the middle of it, you were only talking about killing giant elk, big elk. And I said, all right, everybody, raise your hand if you're going to shoot the first elk that walks in front of you and what probably— yeah, I was talking about mature bulls, and, yeah, and, and people are like, "Dude, I will shoot a." Ninety percent of the crowd were like, <laughs> "We'll shoot whatever," and I say, "Well, this is what I do, right?" <laughs> and but it's it's true. You're going to bridge up, right? And you may never like people. Are like, oh, you just haven't killed enough. That's why you don't win. That's not true. I just like shooting things, and sometimes younger animals are easy to shoot almost all of the time. So they're going to give you a, a very target rich environment. Exactly. And so for, um, certain scenarios, I'm keyed up and tuned up to call in a big bull, but not all scenarios. I would say 25% of the scenarios I'm keyed up to call in a bull because I'm not well-rounded enough as a caller. And I'm a pretty good caller. I can do the vocalizations, but I don't know when to do them sometimes. And again, when you talk about humans talking back and forth, and I try to always, when people ask me for advice, I'm like, hey, I'm not an expert, but these are some few things that you want to remember. If I walk up to Frank and I'm like, hey, Frank, how you doing? Frank's not too bad. I'm like, oh, hey, you're going to go shoot tonight? And that's a normal conversation. But if I walk up to Frank and I say, Frank, are you going shooting? Something's wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. some yeah. shit hit. Frank is, whoa, he's taking a few steps back and he's like, Aaron's on drugs. Elk are no different, in in my opinion. And when you walk into that conversation with an elk, if you don't know, you may know all the different vocalizations, but if you don't know when to make them, well, how often do you hear a guy, the estrus call or whatever you want to call it, hyper cow call, <laughs> how often do you hear of a guy... Over and over, and I'm doing it loud and annoying so people understand it is loud and annoying to the bull or the cows because it's not at the right place and space. Now, what you call it a excited mew. Well, that or I 
it's it's couched under the selfish mew, uh, just because of the, the only the only the only reason why I couch it under that kind of title is because of what it does. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're so it, they're basically it, it, wanting attention. Is that what it is? Yeah, it, it's it's if if I really wanted to boil it down, it's the ultimate it's the penultimate expression of a lost mew. I mean, it, it is literally asking for a response. It's ask it it is it is. The reason why I can dis again, can you disprove it? People talk about that, you know, oh, it's estrus. Uh, well, then why can I go out in June and see a cow do it out on the summer range with her calves? Or why, you know? We got to back up because this this is something that is important. I think one of the most important conversations for people to hear because you can get away for the most part with an average decently sounding bugle not in every situation, but to get the job done, to get a bull to respond. And if you don't do anything stupid or if you, the cow call gets screwed up a lot, probably more than the bugle and, and, and everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. People probably argue that, but I've had many bulls bugle horribly and I've had big bulls bugle small, small bulls bugle big, but the cow call seems to be closer to all of the same sounds. They don't get as, they're not as affected in different pitch and variation as a bugle is. Um, not always. You do hear some fucked up sounding cat muse, but you can, because we just, I just heard it on the back deck that sounded a lot like an estrus call or what I would perceive as an estrus call. What's, what is, what is traditionally labeled as. Yeah. Yeah. There you now, go. The first time I heard an estrus call, it's that bull that's on the deal out there. I'd never heard one uh, or what I thought was an estrus call. And it was like a Yeti. Go- I mean, I was. What the heck is that? And, and this bull and I are going back and forth and I, I can't get him to close a, a distance. There's a, a drainage between us. Is and- it the high pitched and then quick drop off? You know what? Oh, okay. um, if you want, bring uh, well, you, up my whip pipe. Well, uh, open that baby up and play it. I've hold, got all sorts of examples. I'm gonna of just it. go grab a call, and then I'll, oh, this is gonna I'll be, be fun. I'll be right <laughs> back. You guys call. chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's. The, I mean, it, yeah. The the funny part is, and I laugh about it because the other thing too, and I think we'll get into this. I, I get that question all the time. I mean, I, I had a, just the other day somebody subscribed, went and. Apparently, you know, obviously, he had just subscribed, didn't have enough time to go through the whole thing. But I mean, he immediately, immediately fired off an email. Hey, uh, I didn't, I don't, I don't see anywhere in your website that talks about the estrus call. You know, do, do you do you talk about that? Is that something you subscribe to? About I'm, I just laugh because I'm like, dude, there's so much material in here go you know going through that vocalization what it's an absolute legit vocalization when you use it in the right situation does it work absolutely it just has nothing to do with estrus whatsoever period end of discussion now here is i don't say a rebuttal (laughs) <laughs> this cow, and I've seen it three times now, but this was the first time. This cow made that noise. Okay. And then that bull railed her, just hammered her. I was like, yeah. So that was an estrus <laughs> call. It changed my calling at, at certain yeah. times. And so for me, being, you know, redneck, whatever, you know, just I'm learning elk hunting, and I'd already killed a ton of elk. I'm, you know, I'm in the circle of life with elk. I'm surrounded by elk. There's cows everywhere. The satellite bull, 
I've got everything that you would draw up. And he's up. porking her right and, now. And well, and <laughs> this bull, something irritated it at two thirty in the afternoon. Right, he raised the cows up, got them out, and he was over, just bugling over and over. And I mean, he must have bugled in that thirty minute sequence before I killed him. Bugled a hundred times. I mean, and I'm talking like that deep. And, I, and then in the midst of all this, a satellite comes in, which which helped me. When that satellite came in, then that cow started making, it was the most god-awful sound I'd ever heard. <laughs> but I was like, that kind of sounds like what I think is an estrus call. And she did three long, and he came over and just hammered her. Well, they can rejuvenate almost immediately, like, like a human. Well, he went over and tried to breed another cow that wasn't ready. And I was like, okay, use your brain, Snitter. Like, pull your head. What do you do? When that satellite bull came pretty close to me, I screamed with what the loudest bugle I could, and, and the bull came in, and, and I killed it. But that, okay, so I've got a reed call, which is basically the one with the tongue on it and the long thing long uh what do you call that where your mouth goes over it's kind of long you have the soundboard you have yeah, thank the you. read yes so i tell me right or wrong i'm gonna make a couple noises and i'm gonna say this is what the stereotypical go for, it. Go for it. estrus call <laughs> well and my spit's in there but there you go go ahead there's and and I that's a perfect example because there's three different types of oh, this is this is beautiful, dude. We are this is this is so perfect. This is this is like the same discussion as does moon phase affect the rut? Okay. The problem with not the, if you're a poacher, the, you just yeah, shoot them a knife. <laughs> <laughs> the problem uh. with people talking about an estrus call, there are three different styles of vocalizations that people will claim as an estrus call. There's that one. There's the one that was uh, made popular by Woodwise. They call it kind of call the hyper hot. Hyper hot cow calling. (laughs) Back in the day, everyone had a hyper hot cow call. Everybody. So that's two. And then number three is that real, real loud, high pitch, raspy, Growl when you do it. Okay. Something like that. So you've got three different versions of vocalizations that people all claim are are estrus. Okay. Now, though, does it work? Yes, it absolutely can. All right. But the here's a perfect example of, of what you ju- what you saw, what you perceived. And then from that point on, you're like, okay, this is what I need to do. Okay. There's a same, same thing we talked about last time. There's an adage that says correlation is not always causation. And so you saw, you, you heard her vocalize a particular way. Then you saw the bull breed her. So in everybody does it. And that's the exact, there's nothing wrong with this other than it's it's a it's kind of like the first layer of thinking. People will automatically say, "Oh, I heard that, I saw that, so those two must mean 
X, Y, Z. That is exactly what I did. Okay? <laughs> and that's what a lot of, okay, that's what a lot of people are doing. And then it becomes dogma because someone else saw it and they're like, oh yeah, dude, totally. And then it becomes this estrus mew or whatever. But it gets cloudy because is it the estrus mew that's this raspy buzzy call or is it this long drawn out call like yours or is it the hyper which one are we talking about when you back now two things what i i guess they're they're related so is it wrong to say i want to use this vocalization to call an l no not necessarily is it effective yes it absolutely is. have i done it before and called an elk yes i have the problem the reason why i take it one step further is because of this because if you understand that it does not have anything to do with estrus or breeding, then you go into it and go, wait a minute, if, if I understand what that vocalization is actually doing, then I know, wait a minute, I don't necessarily have to use it only during a particular part in September. I can use it if I've got an early elk tag in Utah, it is a viable vocalization to use in the middle to end of August. Likewise, it's the same thing. I can use it in October, or if I have a late season cow tag in November, it is still a viable vocalization to use to call in cows. It's a vocalization that absolutely is legitimate, but it doesn't have anything to do with estrus. So when you understand that, it just, uh, you, you understand that now this tool in my toolbox can be used so many different ways I'm not restricted to it. Yeah. And I, you know, to parallel that or, or I really don't give a shit what it means. It just <laughs> and calls in a lot of people like times. that. And, and this was when I, you know, when you and I started talking, you know, cracking jokes back and forth was, you know, I had used that call many times before that point and it, and it worked. And, and it was generally when you're in that, that circle of life where the elk are really cranked up, um, it will call in younger bulls really easy at times, but it'll also scare elk off oh, yeah. at the wrong time. I mean, it's a very, it, it from a, uh, if I was just going to general, it's a very aggressive, it's a very invasive sounding vocalization. It's loud, it's obnoxious, and you're absolutely right. It In the right scenario, absolutely is it effective. But again, it's more of a hammer-esque type of vocalization. So if you just go into, well, that's all I'm going to use, you're going to be blowing elk. This is what I was getting at is, is um, going back to human back and forth, right? Yeah. If, if, um, if you are at that place in space with a woman where it's time to get it on, you can say pretty much whatever you want, <laughs> and probably the dirtier and nastier, the better it's going to be. But you've hit that level with you've probably some drinking yes, and some wine. up to that point. So the guys that walk around that hit level nine all the time, that's scaring off a lot of elk. And what will happen- Look at if, Trump. Grab him by the what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many people lost their mind over that? There you go. You got to build up to that. Yeah, exactly. It worked for him. But yeah, not at all. But that is 100% true. And again, what generally happens is if somebody walks around for a seven-day hunt blowing on one of these, eventually, just out of sheer mathematical just numbers- an elk will eventually come in. Probably. They'll shoot it. Yeah. And it's usually a younger, dumber one. But Yeah. And they'll shoot it, and this thing is golden. Yes. And that's where I It's a magic have, bullet now. In the last probably eight years, evolved more to where 
This doesn't come out very often. It comes out sometimes. Um, but it, cold calling, occasionally a subtle, whatever we want to call the elusive estrus call, the, the excited mew, the whatever, it will come out occasionally if you're trying to do herd talk, but not at a, a violent pitch or whatever. Now, I will say I have called in f- five or six good big bulls at the right time where I hit it like that cow I heard. Yeah. But that bull I knew at that point, generally there's a point in calling in in, in where I've had to do a few crazy things. One is bark. Um, so people have told me that's crazy to bark at an elk, but there's kind of a show yourself bark and there's a get the fuck out of here bark. Um, the bark, from what I've heard, sounds the same, but the scenario is totally different. When you the hear intensity levels different. Different, yes, exactly. So I can say, "Hey, Aaron," or I can say, "Hey, yeah, Aaron, yeah." Okay, it's the same H E Y. It's the same. I'm trying to get your attention, but one is just a oh passive, and then another one's a I'm gonna punch you in the freaking face vocally. You know <laughs> and what I mean? Then you're gonna have to go hunt different elk because they run away. Yeah, generally yeah. it's one. If you're setting up a cold calling sequence or whatever, and an elk sneaks in, catches your wind. He barks. You know that they bark. They'll bark or all the time. Move a little bit. And they don't yeah. know what you are, and yeah. And they might stand there and bark a few more times, which is even worse. Um, but I've been in multiple different calling uh, battles with bulls to where we're inside fifteen to twenty yards. We can't see each other, and it's every time we couldn't see each other, and that bull barks, or I'll bark. And what he's basically saying, or what I've taken from it, is, "Hey, show me the money." Yeah, I want show to see you. Yep. And it is hard to kill them when they do that because usually they're static and not moving and they're getting ready to fuck off and get out of town. Like they're like, hey, show me. I want to see you or I'm leaving is, yeah. is what I've gathered. And yeah. so the one time I was with my buddy from Wisconsin and that bull barked and I ran forward and I'm like, run the fuck up there and shoot it now, now, now shoot it because he ain't going to hang out much longer. But – Shortly after that, later that day, we had one bark because it winded us. And he was like, wait a minute. And he was telling me, I was like, well, dude, there's different barks. There's the bark, I'm leaving the country. There's the bark of uh, show me the money. I want to see you. There's a couple different barks. As you Again, the bark of I'm leaving uh, is different pitch and tone and, and aggressiveness than the bark of show me. This estrus call, I think... With that cow, and again, you talked about it, with that cow when I killed that after that bull humped her, that she was in the peak, most excited she could possibly be. There was a lot of other cows around, and she wanted to, I want you now, I'm excited now, whatever the hell it is she's saying, and then he went over and railed her, but it literally was like... Like a wounded rabbit. I'd never heard anything like <laughs> it. And it was, it sounded much more deeper than yeah, this. Yeah. But I was like, I mean, literally in the midst, I'm I'm knocked up, hooked up, ready to grow. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is that? And I'm looking at this cow and that bull just turned on a dime. And that was that. I mean, and, and she was ready to breed. So again, like you said, you see it, it is. Yeah. So, and, 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 at and, that po- and at that point, what you said and and I I wasn't there. I I don't know all the context of it. But what you're telling me is there's a lot of elk there. Yeah. That bull was there, and he got excited because she was probably ovulating at that point. She needs knows, but you said another bull showed up. Yep. 
and that other bull and that you know so now the other bull knows that and so now he's distracted she knows she's ovulating and she's ready to stand and all of a sudden her bull gets distracted with some other riffraff piece of crap bull yeah and me pay attention to me get over here you know it doesn't it's not saying i need to breed it's like hey dumbass get hey Get over here and take care. Don't worry about that other bull. It's the same thing of what you probably end up, you, you can hear in the summertime where a cow looks at her calf and goes, hey, come here. Yeah. Okay. It's when you, when you understand what the vocalization is saying, you understand you can use it in so many different scenarios. A lot of times that same call in the summer um, sounds kind of like a bugle from a cow. Uh, a mild bugle. Well, and you will get bull- cows can bugle. It, bulls bugle in the summer. I mean, this is, I never get on both side anymore because of Bo discussions. Yeah. yeah. Because when you have just come off the mountain and watched herd behavior for four hours yeah. and seen everything that somebody on this website says isn't happening, <laughs> it's hard to say, not say anything. Then you're compelled to say, no, dude, I just saw this. But then you have, he has a f- click of 15 to 30 people that follow him and what he says is gospel. They dive in and it's like, look, motherfucker, I've got video. I just <laughs> saw this happen. Bingo. And that's that's why, it is literally why I built the website the way we do it. Anybody can flap their gums and tell you what they saw and what they believe. Put it on video and let me show you. There it is. It's in front of you. Argue with her. Don't, don't argue with me. Argue with her. In the in the beginning, I thought he was a ding dong. I truly. And uh, when I like years you ago, me? Yeah. yeah, you like I was like, <laughs> no way, because I was one of the guys, the yeah. the folklore guys. And again, I'm being overly super honest with this. I still am a hammer and whatever. But yeah. watching vocalization in five different units and uh, in three of them being super like, you know, 10 plus point draw units. Um when you see cows bugle, okay, yep, cows bugle, but then you see a bull go on a full-on rut-type bugle in June, right? They're half growth, right? They're just, but they'll they'll do it. And then you're watching all of this. It's not like I made this shit up. It's not my opinion. It's not anything. I just saw it. It'd be like, you know, hey, can a horse walk on two legs? Well, if you just saw a stable of horses walk across the yard on two legs, it's going to be hard to convince me they can't do it. I just fucking saw it. And that was when I'm like, well, maybe this fucking Chris Rowe guy, there's something to what he's saying because I'm in a spotter and I'm watching and, you know, you get full on, you get the, the cow fighting, right? The hind oh, yeah. legs smacking the shit out of each other, squeaking like crazy. And, you know, and then in, in the calling sequences, um, and I I only poke fun because it makes sense of what you say. I'll always call it an estrus call. And, I mean, no and, matter I, what. and I and, and I've talked about that. I don't care. That's the thing. It doesn't matter. It, it has it is it is ingrained in in uh, dogma now to where the whatever the whatever three name di- it has. Yeah, the three different versions of of an estrus vocalization. Call it whatever you want. Just under if you understand this sound carries this connotation or meaning or paints this particular picture, if you at least have a, a good basis of understanding of what it actually means, I don't care what you, you can call the Boogajou, you know, nose picker. It doesn't matter as long as you understand how to use it in an effective manner. Well, and one of the reasons we don't blow elk out is there are certain calls that I, I would, when you, when you have a call of one to 10, uh, 10 being 
a dangerous call. And one being a, a very mild, you're always in the clear call, meaning a calf call or a cow call, a mew. Chirps and mews, yeah. You're not going to get in trouble. That's a level one. You're not probably going to fuck anything up by doing that, just in general calling. But then you get into the bark, the the asterisk call, yeah. that's getting eight, nine, ten. Those are calls that's the right place, space, and time to use. If you don't use those very often, the likelihood of blowing elk out is low. Also, the likelihood of calling elk in is also low. So as you learn to perfect the the level nine calls, the danger calls, you're going to be more successful. And I probably did a bad job of explaining that. No, it's perfect. But if if you're like me and you rely on stalking or Frank, Frank doesn't even use a call and he kills elk. Uh, physical fitness, stalking, and animal behavior, and you leave the level nine calls in your pocket until you know without a beyond a reasonable doubt in your mind it's going to work, it's probably going to work. But there's probably a shitload of other times that the level nine calls are going to work that I don't use them because it could potentially scare elk away. You nailed it. And, and that is one criticism that I will have on myself. And it's one criticism criticism that other people will say about you know my philosophy. I am – there's a reason. We talked – last time we talked about the Elk Hunters Strategy app. There's a reason when you go into that app, you will see – my it, it's same we were talking we started this with talk about Tom Clum and and his tutelage to you and, and building that foundation with with basics it's same thing when you look at the the cow elk vocalizations and communication series a nine part series on different vocalizations there is a reason why the building blocks the fundamental building blocks of cow elk vocalization you will see them laid out where they start and what I have them listed as kind of a, a passive a targeted or a more aggressive, you know, whether you want to do it as a calling strategy or whether it's a, a more targeted or aggressive vocalization, chirps and mews, which you said, very passive, low, very uh, low, low risk. Key, low risk, <laughs> yeah, low risk. And then you move up and you're more targeted. And, and there's a reason for that. Passive, you're not taught. And this is what, again, this is things that people don't understand. Even the veteran hunter, I've had people, you know, some of the best elk guides, I mean, from Wyoming to Arizona that have hunted and guided elk for 20 plus years, finally look at this and go, holy freaking shit. I did not you know, I, I I know how to call. They know how to kill elk. But then they, all of a sudden, it's this little piece and this little piece that you start putting together. You know, chirps and mews, those passive. They're not talking to another group of elk out here. People don't, if you don't realize that you're not talking to someone else external to your group, you're going to have a whole different, real. you know, you're going to have a whole different success level different than if you do understand that I'm not talking to that bull that's off in the distance. And then targeted strategy. Now we're built, we're we're moving into the realm of I'm talking to someone else. It's a little bit of a different strategy, a little bit different vocalizations to where we move up into those more aggressive style vocalizations and strategies that are a little bit more invasive on the elk herd. I'm, I'm going to twist this some more, which you'll find even more comical value because because <laughs> you and I have such a history and on some of the the forums or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that when you talk about the folklore or the uh, so it is written, so shall it be done mentality, forever you would read, how do you kill a bull? You get close and you bugle. And you kill it. Challenge I, him. I, I, I fell into that. What, what I fell also fell into was that shit does not always work. Like 
A, a lot of people. I mean, it, to th- to this day, if that strategy was the end all be all, I would have zero purpose in life right now to have row hunting resources elk module because uh, people come up all the time and they're like, "Dude, it's not working." But if you and I think you would agree with this, if you hunt private land, unpressured elk, that works a fucking lot more. Than it does on meaning. It doesn't even have to be private land. You can go into some of these backcountry areas and some of these limited draw. If the elk are unpressured, well, yeah. When I say uh, private land, unpressured, uh, unpressured, and and I will argue if you have the right herd dynamics and the right age class, it will yes. But you can again. We can even go onto a private private land scenario if I'm dealing with an even age structure of all three and a half year old bulls that are happy with their three cows. Okay. That dynamic may not lend itself well to going in and I'm going to quote unquote challenge a bull. Dude, I'm so proud of you using dominant bugle, you know, calm down. I, I could hug you right now. Cause I mean, <laughs> people, I did, I got somebody, I was just, we were Frank and I during the break, we're talking, you know, somebody emailed me the other day, they subscribed and literally the next day they said, hey, uh, I'm not seeing on your website where you talk about the estrus mew. Same thing. I got somebody, hey, I'm not seeing on the website where you're talking about challenge bugles. No, you won't. Yeah. They, because they don't exist. Yeah. And I can, I, but now if we want to talk about dominant bugles, absolutely. Let's, let's talk about that all day long. And can we use that type of vocalization in a scenario where we might want to portray a bull coming in and threatening. Absolutely. Now we can go down that road, but it, yes, it doesn't always work, but it doesn't mean that it won't work. Well, and one thing I've found when you start talking and not everyone, but the more, if you talk with very well-known, very good, very successful elk callers, a lot of this stuff actually means the same thing, uh, meaning whether you call it a challenge bugle and it's a dominance bugle, or you, it kind of means it's all the same. It's the the verbiage it be, you're, you're, is different, but it, it kind of means the same thing, or you're or you're getting the same result, or trying to get the same result, but the context is different, and then it gets lost in translation or becomes folklore or. Or whatever. Yeah. The, the only reason why I will disagree with that statement only, uh, only because um, the, the reason why I don't ever call it a challenge bugle is because that vocalization very, very, very rarely is a bull vocalizing with the intent to challenge. If you watch. I didn't it, explain it. When you bugle, what do you want? What what are you bugling for, to to get a response? Well, some yeah, in some ways. Is, well, it, it, less some I think bugles I, are for a response, and then if you take Joel Turner and his bull calling cows, sixty percent of the time, all the time, every <laughs> yeah. time. Sorry, go yeah. Ahead. So, but yeah, sixty percent of the time it works, eighty percent of the time. So no, but but that philosophy where you either you are either calling to get a response. Or you are calling to hopefully elicit a reaction that is legitimate, yeah. because there are two different fundamental styles of view. A bull will vocalize one of two ways: information gathering, that is actually a it. The structure of the bugle is different, and it is actually soliciting a response versus 
a information sending style bugle, which I call the dominant bugles, which is relaying information. Again, though, people need to understand the elk are visual, it's behavior, it's body language. When a bull is bugling that way, it is relaying an image of dominance. It is try elk will always try to intimidate another animal into submission before they ever get physical. If a bull can walk into a situation and bluff his way into it or threaten his way into it and the other bull turns and runs, awesome. There's no energetic uh, expenditure. There's no risk. I didn't have to burn any energy. I didn't have to put myself in danger. And I won this interaction. They will always do that. It is, and you can, I can literally show you hours of video. We can pull them up right now on the elk module in the gallery. I can show you when people, you name the vocalization as a challenge bugle. Okay, I'll pull up a video and you can watch these bulls repeatedly. They will scream at each other and then walk away. They're not, they are not challenging one another. They are trying to bluff one another and and portray I'm bigger and badder than you. And I oversimplified this, I guess, because you break it down way more scientific. If you hear Phelps say challenge bugle. Yeah, everybody calls it a challenge bugle. Or or whoever, they're just looking for a response. They're using that vocalization in a very specific manner. Right. And so, but, but by calling that vocalization... That is that they are using in this tiny little pigeonhole, this vocalization. It just then everybody thinks, well, that vocalization is only used for that little pigeonhole. No, it's not. Right. So that's that's the only reason why I take it that next step level further is if you again, I will always be the guy that says, I'm gonna give you the the truth and let you utilize that information in the full breadth of reality that elk use that vocalization right if if frank and you and i are walking through the woods and i bugle and you asked me what did you just do yeah and i'd say i i I bugled you know why i'm hoping to hear a bugle back that's as fucking in depth as it gets for me that is would you call it like a locator a locator bugle and then once we have a locate, which I'm glad you said that, once you've located the elk. So Frank has obviously not gotten on my website yet. <laughs> I, I did look, I was watching it the other day. I was watching it. But break, breaking all, because. Contact people. Yeah. And yeah. so, and again, when you, like you, you call it a contact bugle. Yes. Most yeah, actually, most people call it a locator bugle. Yeah, locate bugle or locator bugle. And then yeah. there's a a challenge, and and I've actually heard as many people call it a a dominance bugle as a challenge bugle. The more I, I talk to guys, but you've got the the contact challenge because you, you you bugle and you could have four different elk tell you where they're at on the yeah. mountain. Now, for me, because I'm not the greatest caller, there's going to be some assessment in that. Which way the wind's blowing, what it sounded like, where we're at, can we get there, all that kind of shit. But then, as you go in, if someone was grading you um, on your performance, let's say, if you are a, if you're grading, let's say, let's say a Phelps was grading you and you were grading Phelps and Charlie, right? Very skilled callers or whatever. Though all of you guys are going to, I did this because of this, and I, you know what I mean. And 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 where if it's it's Frank and I, where Frank can't call it all, and I can call some physical fitness wise, where 
certainly ahead of Phelps and Charlie. Um, <laughs> there's going to be a point to where I'm just going to say, hey, I got as close as I could. I kind of assessed the situation. I used my level one, two, three calls to get me there. Awesome. And then once I got there, once I knew maybe the um, what the, the mood the bull was in, I started maybe throwing some level six, seven, and eight calls in there. And hopefully that pulled the bull into Frank. I'm not going to be able to break down all of the reasons of why I did all of those exactly other than, hey, this was the safest bet. I raked the tree at this point because he was kind of hanging up and I didn't know. And so I wanted to sound even maybe more like an elk or or whatever. And well, why did you bugle kind of like a, a pussy there? Well, I, I didn't want to scare him off and he didn't sound like that big a bull. There's going to be a lot of responses where you talk to Phelps. Those guys bugle like they're they're amazing callers, right? They get in and, and they're looking maybe for that challenge, that dominance, whatever, where some of it, in my opinion, is semantics where I'm like, Chris, chill the fuck out. It's not that big of a deal, <laughs> you know? And then other times I'm like, that, hey, that makes, that makes sense. Like the estrus thing, which I kind of dissected, that makes total sense to me. It is not an estrus call, but it is a call they will use more. And this is how I've broken it down when they're getting into estrus or ovulating, it's a call they may use more because they want that bull's attention. Yes. Because I saw several bulls hump several cows and that cow didn't make a noise. Bingo. I've got got video repeated of bulls breeding cows and they don't say anything. Why? Because it's body language and scent. And scent. And and it was definitely scent because you could tell that bull was like, (sighs) yep, done. And the next thing you know, he's humping. (laughs) Right. And not a noise was made. And then there's there's other times to where there's as the bull's trying to breed the cow, the cow is making a noise that's saying, get the hell away from me. Yep. Like leave me alone. Line. Yep. Yes. It, it, yep. It sounds a little bit like an estrus Similar call. Similar to it, what? It, yes. Keep well, going, brother. Preach it. it. So this is <laughs> what I had learned in all of this. And so I'm like, okay, maybe when I'm using this, this estrus call or my version of it, and I'm getting smaller bulls to come in, they are, uh, or excuse me, bigger or smaller bulls to come either way. It's because they know, hey, this elk or this cow is close to breeding, but it's not ready to breed. She's not ready. And moose are the same way. Then they call differently, obviously, like when they're, when there's a smaller bull around, they make a specific noise compared to what, anyway. And so, Sometimes when you do throw somewhat of the kitchen sink out there, sure, one of them is going to work. It's just generally not going to work on the most dominant bull. You know, the kitchen sink method that generally doesn't work. And how often have you talked to a guy that knows nothing about elk hunting that does kill the dominant bull? It it happens. He just got blind shithouse lucky and threw something out there that, yeah. Can you explain how it happened? Do it again. I heard... uh, I don't like the guy, so I'm not going to mention his name. Say, hey, just because he knocked it out of the park once, he's not Babe Ruth. Totally true, right? And uh, but if you're if you're killing elk successfully every year, you're doing something right. That could be fitness. That could be well. If you're hunting private land, we're going to shit can that one. Not taking away anything. If you're killing elk on public land over the counter successfully every yeah, over year, over the counter pressured, yeah. yes. You're going to have something in your tool bag. In Frank's case, Frank's smart. He's very methodical. You're patient. He's a good stalker. He doesn't do anything stupid. All right. That's a lot of tools in that toolbox. Um, with me, and he knows where elk are. 
Um, I know where a lot of elk are. I know the area. I know animal behavior. And I can call a little bit. I can call a lot, but I can, I'm smart enough not to make calls. So I've been very successful killing elk every year. Now, if you take all of those elk I've killed, only three of them are good bulls. And you take all the elk I've ever called in for people, which is a lot, maybe 10 of those are good bull. And then you take those 10, probably three of them are total blind shit ass luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and being just being as honest as I can be, you learn as time goes on when that happens, like, fuck, I can't believe that just happened. How'd that happen? Or right place and time. You know, I bugled and that bull just came running in. That had nothing to do with skill. That bull was in a right headspace for that bugle to work. When he came running in, I happened to call at the right time. That bull came running in. We killed it. There was no skill in that other than getting there um, and making the shot. It just happened. I bugled and it came running in where it is with you. And I don't agree with everything you talk about, but I agree with when I say agree, I am not as anal and overly analytical as you are. But once you do know all of those things, there's truths in all of them. I mean, right, you cannot and, deny it. And that's what I was, and the, the beautiful thing about, you know, you, yeah, you, you used to give me crap about when I first started looking at Kafaru packs because I was picking them apart eight ways. I am not the guy that like says- Like an engineer, man. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but look, okay. But again, I if 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 I'm Marino trying to do something- Marino was another one. Explain it to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to understand why. If I understand why, so don't tell me, get that you, you, you did. You're like, buy this pack. I will bristle at that and be like, screw- Tell me why that is going to be what needs to be for me. That's that's well. Let's again, break it down. I don't mind you mentioning names. You were using a horn hunter. Yes, yes, and and the reason why is because at the time I had a connection. You were poor. Some, no, I'm just kidding. I was. Yeah, I was <laughs> that's part of it. Was yeah. no. But I had a connection. They hooked me up. They they wanted to support me. They hooked me up with horn hunter. I was like right on. They're good dudes. Loyalty, absolutely. You, t- I danced with the one that brung me. Type of deal. So eventually. And I, and I liked their stuff and they were supporting. Well, eventually that connection between me and Horn Hunter went away. I was kind of a quote unquote free agent, if you will. And I got to the point now where my backpack is falling apart, breaking down. I need to upgrade. I need to get something else. And rightfully so, you were giving me a ration of shit. You're like, dude, why you're not sporting? You know, here, here I am. You're my, I'm your friend. I'm here in Colorado. It's American made, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, it's fair enough. Again, dance with the one who brought you. But now, but now I'm, I'm, I'm open. So let's, let's take a look at that. And we went down that road <laughs> and I did. And I wanted to understand what you offered all of the different, you know, dude, if there's a criticism of Kafaru, you offer way too freaking much because there's so many options. It's like, it becomes overwhelming. And I appreciate it because I get the same thing on my website because people are like, holy shit, how do I, how do I swap? It's like drinking from a fire hose. If you don't take it step by step, and that's what I was begging from you. Okay. Step me through this process of, 
Why am I choosing a top load bag versus a? You'd be like other friends and just do what I told them. But no, <laughs> fuck no, <laughs> no. And what did I set up? You always told you were telling me a DT two or something like that, and I ended. What did I end up getting an AMR? Okay, which at the time you probably were like, you don't freaking need an AMR. I love that freaking pack. Why? Because f- it 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 fit everything that I wanted. I understood it. It met the needs. It still did what you thought I needed for a pack. It might have been a little bit overkill, but it it became real to me. It functions for me. And man, I, I love that pack, even though it may not have been exactly what you sent to me. But now that I understand everything... I, I feel so much more comfortable. That's why I got the new cavern. I, I absolutely now that I understand things, I can make a more educated purchase. We had a game warden come in the other day, and he just flat out he he didn't understand it. He was using a, a Badlands, maybe the I think the belt ripped in half or something. And uh, he, but then we put it together in front of him, and he yeah, you know, geeking out or what. He was just like, wow, you can do anything with this but until you understand what you can do with it yeah same thing with your calling um i mean i think uh the when we talk about um the 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 folklore um or the um well the world was flat at one time right world was flat um you know, you have to shoot 28% FOC to kill anything. I don't know if you knew that or not, but, um, <laughs> I'm you know, wrong then. It, 10, yeah. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 300 plus feet per second. Yep. Couldn't kill a whitetail without that. Whatever. You, yeah. You can oh, pick yeah. them. And, um, uh, Frank and I are about, which is Frank, how old are you now? 29. How often do I give you shit about one thing or another? All the time. And that is usually <laughs> because Frank and I are, I was Frank 10, 12 years ago. Jeff Lander was me 10, 12 years ago. We're all cut from the same cloth. So as he's giving me advice, it is something he's already fucked up, right? Okay. It, yeah. And, and, it, keep going. Keep and, going. And with Frank, I will subtly hint to him from time to time, sometimes not subtle, something <laughs> I had screwed up on that he might possibly screw up on um, and let him know or whatever. It's not – I don't think – yeah, I mean, I don't – yeah, I, I don't – I just – whatever, every now and then I'll, I'll get a semi-aggressive and he'll tell me you need to calm down, sir. Um, and then – but <laughs> – It's just true. Yeah. <laughs> we – he probably won't ever learn from me telling him. I didn't learn from anyone telling me. Like Show I had me. to screw it up or yeah, or I Show had to me. see it. And I would, are you, would you agree? You're kind of the same way. You're kind some of things, as you some go things guy. I have to learn for myself, but it's nice to get a basis of where he's, he's done it before, especially the oh. archery stuff. That's, that's the, the main thing. When like, did the light pop on for tuning? When I was trying, you said it kind of just popped on for cutting the arrows down or whatever. And you were like, Oh, that makes sense. I don't know. Well, I, it was kind of the same thing that Chris was talking about. It's like, eventually you want to know why. Yeah. Or what? Instead of just going to the shop and having them do it for you, doing it, you do yeah. it, doing it for you, you want to be able to do it yourself. Yeah, and and just there's there's this visceral satisfaction of just understanding. And and if I can, just give me a little second here because I think what you said a, a minute ago is very important. You have many years of experience under your belt, and you have many years of experience in many different locations hunting many different species. And if we just focus on elk, you have many years of experience hunting elk in many different units, 
in many different situations. And so in your brain, you have a just a, a, a room full of information. Now, it may not be as organized as I it's as organized mine. as I am in my life, which, which is, is not shit. good. Yeah, not good. <laughs> so, but but the, the thing is, it's like my messy desk. Don't touch my freaking desk because I know where that receipt is under that pile. I know where my messy desk, okay? You have a messy desk in your brain, but when you are engaging an elk this fall, you know how to go into that room, go to that desk, pull out that little piece because you know where that piece of information that you need at that time is to help you be successful. What you said is you being able to explain that to someone else, it's going to – what I try to do, I don't try to overanalyze things strictly because I want to overanalyze things. What I do on the website – I try to organize it and I try to I try to shorten people's learning curve. So if say Frank, you said, you know what, man, I'm I'm successful, but I just need to be a better caller. You are Frank's a perfect example of why I built the website the way we did it. Because now he's got no bad habits. He's going in fresh pair of eyes and can go in there. And I can shorten his – where it took you and me 10, 15 years of slaving across many seasons to get the amount of knowledge we have in our head, I can – through that website, I can give you my knowledge in literally 40 hours worth of, of information. I can shorten your learning curve exponentially to where I propel you almost up to the same level of knowledge – that Aaron and I have, but but the the reason why you're so much better is your junk is organized and you don't have bad habits. What you were I have bad habits, you have bad habits, Aaron, and I think that's one of the reasons why we were talking. And this was you know just on the phone. Why sometimes, let me if you don't mind because I think you can handle it. I will use you as example. Oh yeah, I'm and good. Tom Clum, Joel Turner. Joel's Iron Mind class and what Tom and Joel are doing is 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 phenomenal. I have not gone through it. I'm kind of curious about it. You love working under Tom, but you even said you probably have ego or attitude or some issues. 100%. It would be difficult. It would be difficult for you to go through Joel's tutelage because of preconceived stuff going on. There are a lot of veteran hunters that look at what I do and go, I don't need that. I've killed elk. I can call in elk. I know how to be successful, but that's fine. But I will guarantee you every single time because I've, it's, I've, we have a money back guarantee. 24 hours, you sign up, you go through the material and you go, and this stuff is garbage. I want my money back. We will give you your money back. We've never used it. Not once. I have always, but more more often than not, someone will sign up for the cheap $20 little three-month deal and literally three days later go, uh, can I upgrade to like the full year? Because I really want to get into – people that have been hunting for 20-plus years have gotten back with me and said, just having an understanding of what am I saying when I'm chirping and mewing versus what I'm doing with a lost me. I never understood that – this vocalization is not talking to them. It's only talking to the group versus 
there's so many little tidbits that you, Aaron, as a veteran hunter, you may not learn anything earth shattering, but what it might do for you is saying, wait a freaking minute. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about the fact this can connect to this. And if I take those two things and connect to that, holy shit, I can do this, 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 this. I can now connect. I can do more with these little isolated pieces of information that I didn't even realize related in the beginning. Now, now I can expand my efficacy. I can expand my efficiency. I can expand my understanding. And now it just, whether it's nothing more than just that satisfying, I understand why, or it's a, now I don't have to freaking run all over the freaking mountain. There's actually an elk 150 yards off the trailhead. I will kill that thing and go home. Well, and you go, when you go to, I mean, and there's a, there's a time, honestly, too, you, you shouldn't call, right? I mean, there's it's a tool. There, yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. A, and, and the thing is, is having the ability to know when not to call. I, I give a quick example. Um, list B cow tag. My buddy had one in, uh, he cows are coming out every day above tree line and feeding. And I, I said, Hey, just go sit by that rock. I'm like, yeah, you got good cover and just shoot one because of, I blame a lot on primos. Um, <laughs> the elk came out, he was compelled, could not stop himself to call. Now I want to know how many fucking elk hang out in a rock pile. None. In the middle of a rock pile and, and are hiding. At 12,000 feet. Yeah. Hiding in a rock pile. So using some common sense, okay, the cows looked at the rock pile and thought there's no cow there. And they went back in the woodline, fucked off, and he didn't kill one. Knowing that, for example, of of when to, uh, you know, which I, I get in that's because you talk about this. Yes. When you talk about like the doorway, coming in the doorway, you you wanted to get, get them to cross the threshold into your home. You want them to come in. If you call and there is nothing behind you but openness, it will not take uh, very long for that elk to say, I do not see an elk. Something is wrong. I'm going to go away. That doesn't take very long for that to happen. Yeah. What if you take out the rock pile and say there's a small clump of trees and then you throw a decoy in there? Ah, now, well. Okay, there, you got two. You got two points of that. Hang on to that thought, <laughs> which we've done above tree line and I, in the right place and space, it works well. The one time we forgot the decoy, and we're watching elk come to the decoy, nervous, but coming to the decoy, like, why is this cow? <laughs> yeah. It was a heads up because I always leave them on clip. It in. clip I don't. I put them on top of a dead branch or yeah, I take yeah. a dead stick, so it literally looks like. A cow bedded with its head out of the bristle comb. And the one time, I forgot the thing. And we're watching, and this bull, he was a raghorn, you know, two and a half year old bull. For the life of him, curiosity killed the cat. He could not, he got up to the point and sniffed it, and he finally probably smelled Copenhagen and bounced, <laughs> but he only ran 40 yards out and stopped. Yeah. Confused because he's like, well, wait a minute, dang it. Yeah, well, Visually, I'm seeing something that's just not computing of what I just smelled and saw. And, and you think about that, like, um, and you never had anybody call for you. But you, if you think about that, when you calling scenarios like with that, with curiosity killed the cat coming in, there is sometimes it's just better not to call. Yeah. Or, or not to call until you absolutely have to. There's other times in this scenario, like above tree line 
what the best thing to do, in, in, in my opinion, especially if that's close to the summit, is put someone on the other side of the summit and you in the rock pile where the elk that are coming out have to walk past have you. to come past you just to see and if they're feeding and they're that high usually there's not a lot of pressure up there they're they're calmer um a lot of uh areas in uh areas in colorado where by the time the season starts where the elk should be low there's so many outfitters in the valley floors oh yeah you can look at thirteen thousand feet and all push the elk them, are there just and, push them clear to the top yep and and when you have that if you can get, and even big bulls, because big bulls have that herd, if you're just mildly cow calling and they're calm, and I want you to chime in on this, and we've done this, they will just come over the whole herd, feed gradually, just and move up and over just to see what the hell's going on over there. There was no dominance or challenge or what, whatever yeah, bugle. Yeah. It was just, man, I think there's some elk over there. Let's exactly. go see what Sally's doing. Yeah. And then you kill them. You need to know when to do that. And that's where I say I've been more lucky because I don't do stupid things. I don't think that is a good time to do a challenge bugle. One, it's or, or a, a dominance bugle. They're too far away. Why is he going to go up and over tree line when he already has 20 cows? Why is he going to go into that threatening scenario where he runs the risk of losing all his cows? But if he's just feeding with all his cows... And there's a few cows over the hill, no harm, no foul. They'll just kind of all feed together. He'll keep them. And this isn't the hypothetical scenario. This shit's happened to us. He'll just kind of push them all over. Now, I probably won't kill it being the caller unless I'm right there and by luck the bull's there first. Because there's going to be usually a lead cow that's poking her head up and she, she fucks everything up every time. But if you are at the rock and you can shoot 60 yards, he's not going to have that cow get too far away from him. If she's poking her head up, knows that you're going you're gonna to kill him. There's a time to know that. Yeah. And that's where I talked about the level one through nine of what not to do. Most people in that situation are going to scream on a bugle because both sides said so. And that elk's going to grab every cow he's got and fuck off. And you'll right never back see. in the timber. Yep. Or 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 they're gonna go way the hell out in the alpine where there is nothing out there. Yeah. And you're and Frank, what you said with the little crumb holes and the little pockets of trees up there, anytime you put that visual barrier in there, now you've created a a, a you've a smaller room, a, a different doorway where yeah, they it's pl- especially if it's a large group. There's, it's plausible that there could be an elk on the other side of that, that if someone wants to engage them visually, which they predominantly want to do, they have to come and either get around the edge of it and look at it, or they've got to come to it and look through it. A lot, me, if you play the behavior, most of the time I will actually not run a decoy. I will only use a decoy, and I like the heads-up decoy because you can deploy it strategically. I like it because it's not very heavy. Yeah, yeah. that's the other one. But <laughs> I will – one of one of the subscribers nailed it the best. He said, ditch the decoy, work the setup. If you work the setup right, a lot of times you can absolutely pull them into your lap without a decoy, and sometimes a decoy can actually cause them to stop because, again, they're visual. They want to see – it, nothing on an elk is static, especially their ears. And so if they come in, they make eye contact. At some point, they're going to want confirmation that that other animal is, is recognizing them too. And so if they don't see ears move, all of a sudden they then they start kind of, they, they go on alert and they start getting nose. And then that's when they circle around downwind. And so sometimes you can leave that decoy in your pack and sucker them all the way in. But 
having in your situation, absolutely have that decoy handy, but by putting a rock pile or or maybe not a rock pile, but like a, a, a patch of timber or over that rise Jack or over that yeah, shit, yeah. That breaks up that visual ability for them to stand off at a distance and look, now they have to come to you. So absolutely understanding how elk interact and again, communication, see you first, hear you second, smell you third. They want to see one another. If you understand that stuff, you can literally set your setups and just call in almost any group that you want. Other hypothetical situations while we're talking about this that happen, like you being as sneaky as you are, hypothetically, earlier in the season, the bulls aren't really cranked up and you will get solo bulls um, just hanging out feeding. One of the best things to do, or I have found, if the wind is blowing downhill and I can get to a position above him where he can't really see it's far enough to where I'm not a threat I'm not really anything other than a potential elk I will just cow call so you can sneak in and shoot him which doesn't really have anything to do with vocalization it's just that bull may not be susceptible at my skill level to to call in you know what I mean some some I would say some elk just won't come sure um but you can kill him and so you being sneaky and able to shoot Sometimes it's advantageous for a guy to low crawl, get in jack pines, bristle comb. All you're doing is keeping that fucker on you. Yeah. And so I can watch you. And when you're about to cross a danger area, I'll cow call a little bit more. And and this is high. This only happens at tree line. This shit does not. I've never seen this actually work in the wood line. It just can't. But in above tree line, because we're at 13,000 feet, the elk are at right at 12. They're coming in and out. If that wind is right, I would just say, Frank, get in there and kill that. I'll call when I can, and I will watch you, and I will watch the elk. More than most likely, he's going to feed, and every now and then he's going to poke his head up and look at me. All your job is to sneak in there and get it close. But my point is, is a lot of people that listened, I blame Primos for this, (laughs) too much Primos videos, they're going to run down in there, and they're going to try and get as close as they can, and they're going to scream on a bugle, that elk doesn't even, he hasn't yeah, really no. hit in the swing of things yet. He doesn't, the testosterone hasn't hit the balls. He's just a bull feeding. But bulls know other elk, so he's going to look, right? He may even walk a little bit closer to me. He may even come up to take a look. If there's a cliff, God, hopefully he can't make it up to me. I'm just basically getting his curiosity to look every now and then. There's a time for that. There's a time for that, usually above tree line, when they're on their summer feeding patterns, a hell of a lot more than there is a challenging dominance, bugle, whatever you call it, an estrus call. All that shit's probably not going to work. He's just not in the mood yet. I yeah, mean, and, do you and, agree and, with that? Oh, yeah. And that's uh, people all the time. I mean, that's kind of a little rabbit hole, but I that's why I love early season. Yeah. I absolutely love the early season because you can, it, especially like a year this year where we start, what, August 24th, 25th? 5th, yeah. 25th. So- you actually, in some areas, can still catch those bulls on their summer pattern. They haven't even made that pre-rut move yet. And so they're still bachelor grouped up or they're still up on that summer range. Oh, my gosh, it ends up being hunting like mule deer, but with the ability to throw in some calls every now and if you need to. You, it, it, absolutely. Calling is a tool. Use it when and if you need. I always, I, I will always say, I always call as much as I need to, but I will never call more than I have to. So if I can get in a situation where I can smoke that thing without even saying a word, okay, I'm, I will lead, 
I elk hunt and I call because that is what I, if, you know, we talked about Corey and he likes to bugle and he likes that engagement. I like to call. And so more often than not, I will probably set myself in a situation where I get to call and, and make that, try to make that animal do what I want it to do. But again, if, if I can get myself in a situation where all, maybe all I need to do is make one vocalization and he steps out and, and shows himself and I can't, absolutely. It's a tool that you can use if you need to. And if you're talking about, you know, again, every, the way I structure all of the stuff that we've got in there is so that a solo hunter has the ability to perform at a high level, a very, very high level. But holy crap, if you can perform as a solo hunter at a high level, you put two people like you with that same knowledge in play, oh, freaking hell. It's it's over. It's and a over. Lot, a lot of this, too, it's, is keep in mind, we're talking public land over the counter. Or, yeah, which 90% or, of people are doing. Yeah, or, or low point draw, yeah. you know. And, you know, because uh, over time, you know, g- dealing with um, the internet, basically, there are going to be people that kill giant elk every year that do not call. They'll just tell you, I don't need to call. Dan um, Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Evans is one. Um, and the... It, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. And and Dan Evans has killed elk all over and you know he's monsters. The thing is that um it is the area you're hunting that and, and which is my point. If you're hunting a place in Montana that is loaded with giant elk and there's alfalfa in the lower fields and they go up in the hills and they bed, you probably don't need to call. Um I got to see it last year with the mountain ops guys. That was insane elk hunting and um calling is probably not going to be really needed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're basically patterning the elk and you're sneaking in and getting close. High country is kind of the same. Especially obviously. if you can shoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah high country is kind of the same. Obviously, you know, OTC high country, you're not going to be seeing 390 plus bulls. But you are really – it's it's more of a game of 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 glassing, stri- strategic movement, uh, and then occasionally calling. Like with Colton and I. Night before season, we had 150, <clears throat> I don't know how many elk, but it was a lot, below us. Next morning, we went over to where they were, but they happened to be right below us. They knew something was up. They ran off in the dark, and <clears throat> we followed them over, and <clears throat> we just sat up in some trees and cow called, and there was no dominant herd behavior going on. <clears throat> there was just a bunch of bulls that came over to see what the cow calls were going on, that we... There was no, we bugled a little bit. We, we didn't do anything dominant. It was literally just say, hey, there's some elk over yeah, there's here. there's other elk engaging in this area. Yeah, and and we we, we shot one. Um, fast forward two weeks or whatever it was, <clears throat> totally different scenario. Elk aren't that far from where they were. <clears throat> the textbook, well, we didn't have to bugle. The elk wouldn't stop bugling. <clears throat> what I'm getting at here is scenarios. okay. The night before, elk are bugling, cows are everywhere. Do you drop down and try to kill them? Well, assess the dangers. The wind is not perfect. The wind is nowhere near perfect. The wind is going to change. It's it's in the middle of the day. You, you know, that's not, um, there's a lot of unknowns dropping in. Don't drop in, right? We, we chose to wait to the next morning. The next morning, <clears throat> wind's consistent. We know where the elk is, the bull. We think we know where the cows are. We drop down, and um, 
we we get to a point we we scream to confirm where he's at. He actually does run in, and Colton goes down. I see the bull coming across. I call. He shoots the bull. Pretty much, pretty close to textbook. The bull circles ab- down and above Colton to get to me to to smell me, and Colton shoots the bull. Same elks that that bull was in the group of elk when I shot that bull. Totally different calling scenarios. Totally different strategy. Totally different everything. Because in that two weeks, they went from not really in the yeah. rut summer feeding patterns to full-on rut behavior. Game time. Yeah. You can't use the the same calling you did two weeks into the season that you would do at the beginning of the season usually because they're still in summer feeding patterns. Yeah. They're, really or or at the, the very least, you better be able to be flexible in your calling strategies so that way you have the ability to match what they need at that time. Right, right. And I mean, you look at um, Colorado, Idaho, wherever, there's different places you're going to deal with when you're hunting Western Washington and Oregon with Roosevelt's. Roosevelt's, in in my experience, do not run very far when you blow them out because they can hide, right? They just, they go away. You can, you can track them sometimes and how far do elk go when you blow them out in Colorado? You've got some work ahead of you. Um, I mean, a lot of work ahead of you. They're like mountain goats running up and down. And I mean, when we were glassing just last year and this year, those elk are what, feeding at 12, 5, 13? 13,000 feet. You can kill elk at 13,000 feet in season. They still are up there, but you're probably not going to be calling elk across the tundra at 13,000 feet to other parts of the tundra because there's a couple bushes there. They're not they're not going to come. What you need to do is strategize where they're coming out of that to bed into the tree line and go from there. And and I'm only bringing all this up because this is going to happen to everyone that listens to this. It's going to come out in elk hunt. One of these scenarios is probably going to happen to you, to, to the people listening in. And how often do you have the the people that tell you, I got into elk? Right. You know, hey, I got into elk this year. Getting into elk is, can mean I saw their asses running away. <laughs> it can mean they responded. There it was can elk mean, poop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it can mean, or you'll get the guys that I was a week behind them. They, we stayed there and they, they, how often do you think they are behind them or they're just scaring them out of there? Ooh, good question. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I think there's a, probably a, a good case that where there's a lot of people that, I mean, I, I've seen it. I hunt public land with everybody else. And, and yeah, you see people bump elk out all the time. And, and in Colorado, how long does elk poo take to look like oh, old elk poo? Well, let, let's even take it a step further. Elk smell. Yeah, depending on the the rains and everything else, elk smell can stick around for a long time. And there's people, man, I oh my gosh, they're right here, dude. That was a wallow, you know, four days ago, and you know he <laughs> Up, pissed it seven days ago. Yeah. Even so, if you get a real gamey herd bedded, and and you may need to be right in the bedding area, but it's going to smell oh, like elk. Yeah. I mean, you can smell them in the behind our house all the. You, yeah. you can get a whiff when it comes down. They haven't been there for five yeah. days. So, yeah, no, I mean, all of these things, that's, again, the longer people hunt elk, the more experiences that they'll have and, and the more information they'll be able to pull from and, and increase their success over time. What I hope that we can, what I can do with, again, my philosophy and, and that website is just 
Can I shorten the learning curve? Can I give people a little bit of a deeper understanding to where they have the flexibility to engage whatever elk they run into? However, those elk need to be worked because I think people will, I've said this before too, I would rather go into a valley with 10 other guys and gals that are smart hunters, that know how to call, that, that know how to hunt versus one group, one, you know, a guy and a gal or a guy or a gal that has no clue what they're doing and they're just running through there and blowing everything out. If you hunt smart, you have more opportunity at more scenarios than if you just go in there bombing away. Like you said, what you're talking about, Aaron, take the time to understand what is going on with the animals that you're hunting. Can you pattern them? Are, are they visible? You guys hunt backcountry quite a bit. So are they visible? Are they above timberline? Can I get a pattern on them? You might sit there, and I did that for my bull uh, up in my high country camp a few years ago. That was a big bull. Oh, he's beautiful. And, and the beautiful thing about it is I had seen that bull during preseason scouting. He he was in the same basin. I killed him on the same bench. I watched him come out during the summer. I mean, big old whale tail, real unique kind of whale tail. But I knew where they bedded. I knew where he fed. And so when I walked in there, I, we were in camp a couple days before season and the elk were using the same area. So I was able to go in there. I knew what they were going to do. So when I went in and called, you people will see, again, I, I talk about passive calling strategies, targeted strategies, and aggressive strategies. When you get through the website, you'll, you'll get to a portion there, strategies and actions videos where it's hunt. I'm calling elk. I love what I call a targeted strategy where I am talking to the bull or the elk that I want to call in. There's a, there's a completely different way to structure your vocalizations when you're calling to a particular animal and you want them to do a particular thing. I love the targeted strategy. You can literally slip in and maybe give two, three, four vocalizations and literally get that entire herd to do exactly what you want. And that type of scenario, if if more people were in our over-the-counter areas doing that type of calling, A, more people would be successful just for themselves. But B, there would be less disturbance on the landscape so more people would have an encounter with elk because those elk wouldn't be disturbed running to another ridge, changing their patterns to where they're out mostly at night and they're going to their bed before daylight. I mean, there's so many different things that are calling can pre we can either set ourselves up for failure or we can set ourselves up for success. A lot of what people are doing out there now are is inadvertently setting themselves up for failure, and then they're just trying to you know try to you're fighting the rest of the season to try to overcome those. That what that first initial failure will keep echoing yeah. if you're making your your compounds on itself. You're, yeah, you're you're uh, you're sending the the elk to school of what. They don't want to be involved. And it may in. not even be you. It might be the five other people that, that the five other people that had five other encounters. You may, that's the problem. We forget that, yes, we bumped them. Oh, I didn't educate those elk. Okay, maybe you didn't. But goodness gracious, the five other people, six ridges over, he's been bumped eight ways from Sunday. You just were the unlucky soul that he showed up in front of you to where he's done with this. He's it's it. I'm out checking out. I'm going over the mountain. I've got a video where I missed a five by five in my high country camp. We'd been at, he's a four and a half plus year old bull, but he was just a big five. I finally call him in beautifully. 
I was stupid, did not draw pro- – I, I made a rookie mistake, blew that situation. The bull takes off. I go over to pick up my arrow, and I didn't realize that the rest of his cows were literally right above me. Where I set up, I could not see them. But as soon as I went to get my arrow, all of a sudden, 15 cows are standing there going, oh, they're looking at – when you said how far will they run, I sit there and video – them vacate the valley. They run <laughs> the length of my side, crossed the creek, and then turned and ran down. I mean, literally, they went three miles and left the valley and went up and over the mountain. Now, the next day, a bunch of those cows were back. But guess who wasn't with them? Yeah. That big bull. I killed a, sm- a younger age class, six by six. But I really wanted that five by five. Just because of all the different stupid things that you do, talking about educating them, I am a firm believer in once you've flung an arrow, you better be absolutely sure before you move that position, especially with a recurve, they don't know. Yeah. But they don't know what happened. You can call them back in. Colton shot, I think, four times that first morning. Hit one. I still killed a bull. Finally, I think Colton just laid there because he felt bad I wasn't getting a shot. They didn't know what was going on. There were so many elk, or he shot maybe three times. Um, so there was so much going on, and so much elk, you know, in the area and everything else. They didn't know. I mean, they didn't. They just weren't sure what that was. Plus, they they hadn't been educated, is what I'm getting at. They were still summer feeding patterns. They had they seen hikers. They didn't know what was up. So I ended up shooting one, but. I've seen a lot of times guys do that where they get up and go grab their arrow. And sometimes you do think it's clear. It just seems clear and it's, yeah, it's not. I wasn't thinking. And uh, But other times, you, you know, doing that is bad. The other thing that kills me is don't ever do anything stupid in frustration if you miss, um, like yell or anything like that. Because that elk at some point maybe thinks a branch broke. He just knows there was danger. And you go into like, let's say, hunting black bears. If you are, especially in grizzly country, if you go to try and stop a black bear at 10 yards, he's probably not going to stop. He's going to run because he's like, is that a grizzly? Is he, you know, he's just going to take off. But you go to stop a bear at 40, he's got some play to be scared shitless, right? To where he may he's just stop He's got time him. to assess before he gets his ass handed yeah, to him. Yeah, where at 10 yards, you know, he can, he can run. Well, with the recurve especially, but with a compound, if you shoot, they just know something happened. They don't know exactly what happened. If they didn't smell you, see you, they heard something. But if they didn't smell you or see you, especially smell you, they didn't go, they're didn't. they not going very far, usually. When you've screwed the pooch totally and they've heard you, seen you, and smelled you, they are running to potentially the other unit. And you talk about above tree line, when you say run... They didn't ever stop the whole time, right? They oh, ran yeah. The no, it was a steady trot. Yeah. When Colton killed his bull, that entire herd ran up a 45-degree slope. Oh, yeah. And that one steep never up stopped. Up and over gone. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, literally, it looked like Hussein Bull riding a unicorn with <laughs> wings never stopped. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, and now how far they went, we don't know. We got out of there. But what that means for the next day if you're not finding elk that next morning in there, there's a good chance you have got to move. You have to have now the physical ability to move. Yeah, you have to yeah. have the food to be able to stay that long. Yep. You know, so there's a lot of things taken into consideration. And now, again, you know, if you're hunting 
public land OTC low draw odd units, you know, that this is what we're talking about. Other areas where I've gotten to call for people or, or, you know, 10, 12, 14 point areas, it's, it, in my opinion, it's different. It's a different, you're hunting cattle, um, not cattle, but you are hunting unpressured elk that you can get away with more. You can get away with shittier calling. You can get away, you get, you can make more mistakes. They're just not pressured to kill big bulls on public land every year. It's difficult. Those elk are smart. They're being hunted by people from Pennsylvania down to whatever state and everything else in between. And you think about it, if you go every day and you go to Walmart and your car gets broken into three out of five times, will you go to Walmart anymore? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to go to King Supers. And then you go to King Supers and let's say you get a flat tire. There's nails in the parking lot. You get a flat tire the first time, it just happened. Yeah. Get Second a flat time. tire again. Yeah, this sucks. Third time, you are never coming Screw back that. to that parking lot. You know, you get sick, you get how many times does it take to eat at a restaurant and get food poisoning? Once. One time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, take an arrow in the ass. Yeah. You ain't coming <laughs> yeah. back yeah. to eat fast food, any kind of food. And yeah. I try to 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 give analogies to this so people understand. You wing an arrow at an animal and it misses. You know, it's a near miss. The elk may not know. Hit it in the ass. It's not going to come back. In the back leg for, or yeah. just in the, in the withers or in the neck. Or, yeah. Or the elk comes in and the wind swirls at 15 yards. He's educated. He's something's up, right? You, that you, you're going to have to work pretty hard after that. And, and again, the same calling. If you make the wrong calls or if you do something, they may not blow out five miles, but you've educated them, um, and it's going to make it harder and harder and harder as that season progresses for you to kill one because you are, you are basically writing them a playbook on what not to do. And in some cases, some of the advice people are giving – you're educating that elk to never kill him. I did, and, and from what I've seen, and and every other guy on the mountain, guy or gal on the mountain, doing the same thing, they're educating that same group of elk to where, yeah, it just compounds itself again. And th- it's perfect, Aaron, because that's again, if you look at, I know I get criticized for my philosophy of being a little bit more low key, but again, in those situations, I. I give a great example of, I won't go into it because it's a longer discussion, but people can see it on the website um, or that YouTube video. It doesn't really matter. Um, if if you come into it with my philosophy, you can engage an elk, a group of elk, but you don't disturb their behavior. You can back out and you can, you know, you have multiple opportunities to come in, work them, back out, come back, work them, back out. You never set them on this disturbed pattern to where now you have to chase them or now you have to find them again or whatever. Cause there's a lot of folks, I started this way. I was in college. I had three jobs. I literally had a three day weekend to hunt. I would get to camp Friday afternoon. I would hunt Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday night. And if I didn't get something on the ground by then, maybe, maybe I would hunt Sunday morning. But most of the time, if I didn't get something by Saturday night, I don't have time to get it packed out by Sunday. So I've got to be, I've, I've got a weekend. That's it. I don't have time to go run around the mountain chasing. I need to be efficient now with the opportunity that I have. And if I can take one other thing with, uh, and I, I think this is important when we're talking about blowing elk out, the other thing to keep in mind, if we're talking about younger age class bulls, let's go back. Let's, let's bring it back to what we talked about originally the first time. If you end up bumping those younger age class animals, 
a lot of times they there might be other elk in the area. They will run back to the safety blanket of the bigger herd and more animals. If they are repeating, you know, they venture out, all of a sudden an animal comes running into that group in an alarmed, scared fashion, you may have only bumped this two and a half year old. But because that two and a half year old bumped and decided to run back to the safety blanket of the main herd, the entire herd gets up and moves out. You didn't even know that the herd was even there and you've just killed your opportunity to capitalize on all the other elk that are in there. I think I've killed seven list B cows or six because of necessity, um, meaning they're coming to wind you. That's one <laughs> yeah. of the good things about a list B cow tag in the in the bells. I missed the bull, but she she hooked me. She came over and she had me dead to rights. She barked once, but it wasn't a. a, a <clears throat> Yeah, she just, was, what the heck are you? Which she can happen. She could have saw a bear, or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I put an arrow in her brain pan and, and put her on the ground, and that bull did. He stayed, and yeah. I got a shot at him, and, and I missed him. But thank God for Lisby cow tags, because she was not have one bark was not all she had in her, and I put her on the ground, which I like. I mean, with Lisby, I try to shoot honestly like that calf cow transition because it the, it's more tender. Yeah, <laughs> but the it is also a safety tag because. Generally, you're going to get a cow that's going to wind you before the bull if you're sneaking in early in the season because they're just meandering around. But again, that bull knew something was up. It actually brought him to me. He heard her. He came over, and that's how I got a shot. Now, I was shooting mechanicals, and I, I tried to shoot through bushes, and it opened, and it did not pan out well for me. But if I wouldn't have been able to shoot her, he would have been really educated. He actually she came. turn, run back to the group, gun. Barked a couple times and then, yep, took him off where he came over just to see, oh, she just barked. It wasn't that alarming of a bark. He just came over to see what was up and, and get probably grab her and bring her back in the herd. But either way, um, one thing I was going to talk about that I, the the bull calling cows bugle, um, what's the other name for it? There's two names like for it. Uh, I don't, I anyway. don't know. Yeah. So- and I like Joel, but Joel, there's no way you're 100% successful all the time. There's just not that. It's just it just can't happen. I think that call in the right situation will be 100% successful all the time. In the right situation, if you do it right, there is no doubt 10 per, about ten percent of the ten percent <laughs> of the time it is a hundred percent successful. And I agree with that one. Um, in the right situation, but that I have had multiple people mimic that call. And the elk gather their harem and get the fuck out. And, and, and I can and, – and I'm going to actually – I don't – I do not react to other people and try to pick apart other people's stuff. What I – what if you see me put stuff on the website, it's because I have been hammered with questions and people ask about it. And that's the only reason why – I am I am going to put a formal video on the website about this because I have multiple video sequences of elk on not in a hunting situation, just elk doing elk things in the rut that demonstrate why I am skeptical of the interpretation of what is being I do not believe it is a bull calling cows that that actually flies in the face of how bulls and cows select one another or, or cows select bulls. But regardless, there, there's too many places where you can disprove 
that premise, that hypothesis. The reason it works, yes. So I don't care if people want to call it that, but it fails because of other situations that that the, that vocalization is used in. Um, and that's the only reason why I'm going to talk about it. Yes, it can be effective in certain situations, but I think it does not mean exactly what they think it means. Um, and I think it really boils down to if, 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 if we entertain the idea that it, it's, it is actually a unique vocalization in itself, which I'm not convinced on. But if we do assume that, I think it has a different connotation. Um, so, but it, the only but reason I brought it up is it's, it can't, it's not it can like heavy for, it's not a fucking cure-all. It's no. not. <laughs> no, but see, that's the thing. And, and this is the one thing that people need to realize when they come to my stuff. And I think that you appreciate because especially, you know, Frank, you're going to, you're going to see it. And, and Aaron, that's why I love seeing your progression with, within, you know, your shooting and going, uh, the recurve, uh, the struggle stick that you call it. Dude, there's so much that that I love seeing is people that come to and and come to the row hunting resources elk module. You're, you're gonna if you come expecting the same information that you get everywhere else, you are going to be disappointed. If you go into that and you you just fast forward, you just go through the videos. Oh, okay, where's challenge bugle? Challenge bugle. I don't see challenge bugle. No, you're, you're you're not. And if you go into the dominant bugles, you're gonna you're gonna get a lesson of why I don't. If you if you go to the website looking specifically for the estrus mew or estrus scream, you're not gonna see that listed. But when you get to the selfish mew and selfish mew revisited, and when you get to the you know the real elk sounds, and you get to the gallery footage, and you get to me in the the, the strategies and actions, you're gonna hear me talk about that particular vocalization all over the place, but you're going to get it from a, a completely different psychological, uh, from a different perspective. It's from an elk perspective, elk behavioral ecology perspective, not a hunting dogma or, or you know, uh, yeah, the, the magic bullet or the silver bullet or, or the, the end all, whatever, however you want to talk. There is no magic bullet on this. That's why I brought it up. There, There is not... And you hear it every year. Yes. This, my friend has this special call. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Well, I'd like to hear that because, and <laughs> again, I'm not, and I only brought up Joel with this. I like Joel and what he offers with the, um, especially people with target panic. And I, no, I, I think it, it's, it's great. It's phenomenal. And I, I've sent people to him all the time, but people have to take into consideration that Frank and I receive hundreds more emails than we can handle. And a lot of those emails are scenarios that they've listened to someone else. It didn't work or a setup or a backpack or a boot. And they come back and say, hey, this rubbed my heels. You know, I tried this call or whatever. And I don't know how many people I've had contact me in the last two years about that bulls calling cow's bugle. Same, Some of them. Same here. It yeah. worked. Yep. Other ones, Ziegman. But grabbed the herd, ran away, right? Yeah. And so yeah. there is and, not and, a- and, 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 and the thing is, is I'm, I'm sorry. And this is where I will be on the nose critical. You will hear people say, that didn't work for me. And the first reaction out of someone's mouth is, well, you didn't do it right. You weren't close enough. Or you didn't have, you weren't, you didn't, you didn't do this. They set up all these qualifications of why the hunter was wrong my system still works. You know, uh, what, oh, it, 
there's so I, I love quotes. There's one, you know, when faced with a choice of changing one's mind or proving that there's no need to do so, almost everybody gets busy on the proof. You know, so th- that's one thing that just drives me nuts is people will come and especially with me, you know, they'll come that usually I'm down the list because they'll go to anybody else that they heard talking about this stuff and say, hey, it didn't work. And then the person goes, well, well, you didn't you didn't have the win right or you weren't close enough or, or the cows weren't in the right. Place. Well, you didn't blow it properly. You didn't. I'm going to sit there and go, well, probably the issue based on what you said is the elk were this and this, that it was probably an elk situation and it was a communication breakdown to where, no, that wasn't quite what you probably should have said in that scenario. It it just wasn't the right vocal tactic to take. It, it's not, yes, did you do something wrong? Yes, but you did it wrong because you didn't understand the fundamentals of what the heck you were actually trying to do. And that's what I'm learning more and more yeah. and more. And a, a case I shot a, I don't know, five by six, several years ago. I don't know how many years ago it was now. And I did textbook everything you're supposed to do. I got within 80 yards of the herd bull. Cows were around me. I did the dominant bugle that you're supposed to do. And and I didn't, I mean, honestly, it was at 80 yards. If I had a shot, I would have just shot it where I was at. But there's shit in the way. I didn't have a shot. And literally the bull looked at me. He screamed, that gave me false hope of this dinosaur bugle. And then he grabbed every cow he had and left. And so basically what I took from that is, yeah, I know you're there. You're going to have to come fight me because I'm not fighting you today. I have my cows. And then he fucked off. And I never saw him again. I'll make you earn it. And then I shot his satellite bull. Um, (laughs) Because I'm me. Exactly. And and it, it wasn't even technically a satellite bull. It was more of one of the, you know, two and a half, three and a half year old bulls that just happened to be hanging around that he lets hang around. It was that pathetic of a bull. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I shot that bull and that bull, the, the, the herd bull took his cows in, in a, in a safe 300 yard distance. And he did, he bugled multiple times as I was cutting up my bull, he bugled a ton, but textbook wise, you, you would be hard to, to, to tell me I did something wrong there. Or maybe somebody say I didn't bugle more dominant enough. Or you well, then, weren't close enough. Yeah, and I, and I was, I think I was, I was eighty four yards when I ranged him, which is pretty close. Yeah, um, you'll hear people say, "Get under, get in inside a hundred yards." Yeah, oh, well, eighty's inside a hundred yards. Well, you should have been closer. Well, shit, how did I? What the? <laughs> well, and if I was a weak bull, why did he gather every? I wasn't a threat. Why did he gather every? Okay, was it an awkward, horrible sounding bull? Well, I've called in multiple bulls with that. It just, he didn't want to play that day. He he did not want to fuck with me. He didn't. Now, the one bull I killed, he came over after that happened, probably because he knew all those cows were there. He knew they left. And then he probably just came to see, hey, what's He's going like, yeah, on? Who are you guys? Yeah. And then I shot him. Yeah. Now, that has happened to me several times, especially in that, that one unit is you come in, you're inside of that, that dominant that 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 where you spark that the zone the zone and, it, and it's spo- it's supposed to when you bugle that way trigger reaction for them to come in and sometimes it does it worked with the bull I shot with my reach I will say this it will create it will trigger a reaction almost a hundred percent of the time it's either it one, may it's, not be <laughs> a favorable reaction but it is going to trigger some reaction and, and I I told the guys exactly what you said I was like you're going to get one of two. 
I don't think there's a third reaction. It will be them moving to you or them moving away. Very rarely do they just hang out, right? They're they're usually like, yep, no, I'm not going to fight you today. And they take off or they, they do come in. Now, what happened with like when I shot the bull with the recurve that, that we split the herd up and he could see cows right behind where he heard this bugle. And that we also watched him. He was raking a tree and he was in the mood. And But this bull was just taking his cows when I, the one I'm talking about that ran off, he just had made a few bugles. I caught up to him, sprinted up the hill and should have, he, he had no idea. I had not called. I had not done anything. That should have been the textbook scenario to trigger that dominant. I'm coming to kick your butt. It, it, all it triggered was, I think I'm too tired to fight you. I'm going to head keep or the I'm cows. Or I'm just I've too freaking smart. Yeah. I, I don't need to. Why, why, why am I'm just going to take my cows up on this alpine. I'm going to stand out in the middle and I'm going to sit there and watch. And, and then I'll wait for you, the quote unquote bull that I hear. I'll wait for you to step into the clear so I can assess your body size. I can assess your antler size. I can assess your, your attitude. I can assess your, I can assess you physically, visually before I even decide whether or not I want to mess with you. That's just a smart bull. And, and every bull is going to be and, like and he, that. And he was a toad. He was a good, I mean, he's seven, yeah. eight years old. What's what's the parable, you know, of the old bull and the young bulls where they, you know, they're sitting up on the mountain looking at the cows and the young bulls come over like, dude, we ought to run down there and screw one of them. And the old <laughs> bull goes, I think I'm just going to walk down and screw them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You that's know, I mean, true. that's just those older animal, older, older age class animals. Don't get old by being stupid. More importantly, the other thing that I, I talk about this too, that people don't realize, especially when we're talking about hunting bulls that are in that two and a half to three and a half year old age class, people, oh, it's a call shy bull. Really? Is he? He's two and a half. How, how call shy can he be? But he's hanging out with an 18-year-old dominant cow. (laughs) She's been around the block. And if that group of cows is 15 to 20 years old, and no. So he's, well, that bull was bugling at every, I mean, he was bugling, bugling. Every time I call, he bugled back and he he just walked away. Yeah. Because those cows are like, no, God, we're out. We're we're leaving. Just if you want to come cut and he's going to bugle his head off because he wants more cows, but he's a young bull. He's just going to do what the cows want to do. A lot of times we, if we're in a situation where you're with a mature dominant bull and then you have the older age class cows, dude, that is a whole level of interaction that you're in a different stratosphere of what it's going to take in order to be successful in that situation. And then when you're dealing with old cows, that is also going to be a, a different level of of interaction that you're going to have to deal with. It's funny you bring that up because um, the the lead cow six cents is is that of a you know six seven year old mule deer or a year old bull, and when you have gotten to where you do call in that that uh, usually in in the early parts of the rut where he has cowed up but still looking, usually that not usually certain times when I've called for guys there'll be a herd of a string of eight or nine cows with the bull in the back and the front cow is the smart one. Um, or, or a lot of the time that front cow, you better shoot the bull in the chest on a frontal. Cause you're not going to get, she's smart. She's yeah. super smart. And this happened with a, a buddy of mine and, uh, I'm calling back. I didn't get back as far as I, I should have or could have, but we were running out of time. I just couldn't get back and I'm watching them come and you can see all these heads and this cow's like 600 pounds, just giant. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, shoot it in the chest. 
just shoot it in the chest because it was not a, getting away with this it, one. Yeah, and what was funny in the wind, the way the wind, they were on a, a trail and they didn't follow the textbook for the wind. The wind was kind of blowing up to where that cow couldn't smell him. But that cow had a sixth sense and that cow got just past him and something was not right. And they were about six yards apart. And I'm like, he's at full draw. Shoot the bull in the chest, man. Shoot it. Shoot it. And yeah, the, the do it bulls, now. He's 26 yards away. And, and the guy, I, I admire him. He, he didn't want to take a frontal, so I understand. Sure. And, and at that point, 26, you're at that – you're in that zone where it's going to take long enough for your arrow to get there to where he – probably could react even if he let if he just set that you know just sent it yeah that cow just turns inside out well the bull could even react with the cow he could when you get that 26 or 20 to 30 yard range yeah it's it's tricky because they have time to react so i'll 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 shake his hand on that one i did i did not give him any crap but i told when i saw that cow it looked like a rhino when it came up over the hill i was like I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting the bull to come up, follow the rules, not the cow. Well, you know, obviously with the herd mentality or whatever, they were staying together. They were coming up together. And literally I was like, and this bull was big and that they blew out that day and they didn't, they didn't smell us or anything. They just took off. And I said, they'll, they'll be here tomorrow. And I said, they don't know what's going on. She's just smart. And that cow acted as much like a because we saw him the next day, a herd bull is the herd bull. It was unique because when I say that, meaning she was as smart as the bull, if not smarter, she knew the deal. And you could tell when we, I bugled and the bull came closer and a couple cows came closer and she, she bulldogged those cows back. She pushed them back in t- away from me. And I was like, this fucking bitch. This, this, <laughs> dude, this is what I geek out on, man. That's why I just, I, I just, I'll just sit and just film it and just soak it in because how cool is that shit? You know what I mean? Wasn't very cool on that no. scenario. <laughs> that, but, <laughs> you know. Not if you're hunting. No, I, I, yeah, I'll give you that. And the, and the thing is, I mean, you taught, well, you know, with the traditional and compound stuff, a, a lot, you know, admittedly, I mean, a lot of the, the elk I was able to kill, probably half of them were distance. Oh, you're going to hang at 80? No problem. Don't I'll stand just, broadside. Yeah, you, I'll just shoot you from the well <laughs> or frontal. <laughs> um, but with the, with the recurve, obviously, it's, it's different. So strategies, calling, everything else, I can't be the hammer or whatever. I've got to work at it more, which is, is, is fun, and I've got to get closer. But, like, I'm hoping we see one in the high country that I can just sneak in on and shoot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'll be easier for me Pattern that way. Pattern sneak in. Yeah, but, yeah. Frank, you got any... Anything else? <laughs> no. No? No questions? <laughs> He's overwhelmed. He's yeah, over there going, oh, crap. I, I, uh, and, and I do want to say, like, with, with Corey and, and Joel, you know, bringing like Corey, I've got the utmost respect for Corey. The dude is an oh, yeah. insane caller. You know, Phelps is one of my best friends. Um, Joel, I like to pick on Joel because he and I's interaction was unique in the beginning because alpha males, right? I, they don't play well together usually normally. And, and he, what he does, I, I suggest, I send people to him constantly. But, you know, the way that people learn, everyone learns different. Like you, you're a doer. You've got to, Frank's got to do it to learn it. And for, for me, I'm kind of an, an intermixed guy where I do need to learn it the hard way. But occasionally someone like Tom Clum or you, I will listen. Other people like Joel, 
I'm not listening, and I'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> what he teaches does not pertain to me in the sense of my lear- the way that I learn. I'm not going to deal with a guy flicking my ear. I'm not signing a piece of paper and touching the top and bottom line because I'll just tell you I'll fail that. I don't need to take the test. I'm not. You want me to take a test in trigonometry? Let's save the time, <laughs> and I'll not take the test. But what he does will help. Just because I'm one guy, 99 others, it is going to help. I brought up the bulls calling cows thing because so many people got a hold of me that said I tried it and probably 50. And out of those 50, there were seven that will use it the rest of their lives. It is the miracle call. All the other ones were like, hey, Dan, did I do something wrong? And I'm like, look, I've used that myself. I think it means something. me personally. I don't. I don't think it's a bull calling cows necessarily. I think it's 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 being used differently, but it does at times ignite that reaction to the bull. Absolutely. And, and there's no way around that. But again, when with all of this talk with calling or whatever, part of it's going to be like arrows. Do you fall into the Ashby leg humper crowd? Are you a heavy front of center guy? And is that the direction you're going to take? There, That's... So it is written, so shall it be done. Ashby said it. I'm throwing a bunch of shit on the front of my arrow, and I'm going to kill everything. Are you going to, I want a good speedy arrow that's decently weighted. You know, there's going to be these, calling is the same way. Some guys in their innate nature have to be aggressive, and they want to bugle. There is nothing wrong with that. That is what they want to do, but there's going to be some negative sides to that. Um, just like, you know, if you with heavy arrow weight. It's going to be a slow arrow. There, there, there's going to be cause and effect with everything. And, and when people start to learn elk hunting uh, and calling just to save um, some, unless you just like to beat your head up against the, the, the trees that uh, the elk are living in, then by all means learn the hard way. But if you if you really want to cut the learning curve down, which is why I wanted to get you on here, definitely you know get on there and 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 follow from the beginning and don't do what I do and hop on occasionally and listen to what you want to. You really have <laughs> yeah. to listen to all of it for it to work really well. Well, and and I and thank you for saying that because I I am going to have I I I don't know what it is about this year. Um, but I've just been bombarded by people sending emails saying that, I mean, they, they jump on, they haven't even been a subscriber for more than 24 hours and they're already, well, I'm not seeing this. I need to see this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You haven't even gone through the behavior videos. You need to you, you start. And I tell everybody, skip started, the hors d'oeuvres, buddy. Every, and everybody <laughs> does. Dessert. Everybody will go to the strategies and action section where it's me calling an elk because it's sexy. But stop because you you don't understand what's – go through it stepwise. Yes, if you are a veteran hunter, you're going to listen to the Chirps and Muse videos and you're going to be like, yep, 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 yep. But there might be that one little thing that you get. And then I know for a fact when you get to the you know the Lost Muse and Assembly Muse, the light bulbs are going to start going off. And when you get into the bull vocalizations, you're going to think you know a lot. And then all of a sudden you're going to go, well, holy crap, wait a minute. I didn't realize this. There are going to be connections that are made from a behavioral standpoint that you did not understand before. You may be able to call. You may be able to technically blow a bugle very, very well. You may be extremely successful, but these other little connections that you may have missed are going to be the fundamental difference between you being consistent every single year and more efficient at it versus struggling a little bit more. And if you're a beginner, Frank, I'm telling you, just take it step by step because you will build a foundation without any bad habits. You will freaking launch past me 
in your development because you're going to come from such a, a an advanced foundation that oh it's going to be phenomenal. So don't anybody who's listening don't just don't go in there and pick and choose and don't skip. I'm telling you, there's a reason it's set up the way it is. It is a fundamentally different way of looking at things. So just soak it in, observe, you know, just take it for what it is. And I don't want people to think that, you know, they're in this industry. And that's the thing that discourages me about the hunting industry. It gets so flipping bloody cutthroat and backstabbing and just vicious. Everybody trying to get their market share for what I am doing. My, I don't have a product per se. I have a philosophy and I have knowledge. I want you to go get, if you want to get Corey's, his elk 101 stuff, go do, consume it. If you want to go get Paul's stuff, go consume it. Go to Joel's stuff, consume it, look at it. I do want you to come to my stuff as well, but I want, ultimately, I want you to be successful. The thing that we, that, that Row Hunting Resources provides that I truly believe is a different layer of understanding that other people don't is that why why from a behavioral state why behavioral ecology why are elk doing what they are doing what is causing them to do it and how do i understand it and then how do i exploit it so don't look at this as i'm competing with anybody else or we're trying to criticize anybody no I want you to, and I want oh, you I was, to get that stuff. I was stuff. definitely making fun of Joel. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Love you, Joel. But, no, he's got, but, but the thing is, is, you know, he talks about the technical way to, to make that vocalization. He does a phenomenal job with it. He talks about the way to execute that tactic. He does a phenomenal job with it. Same thing with Corey. When you listen to Corey talk about how he goes in and picks his setups and how he engages, you'll hear him. You watch his videos. You can see him on YouTube. You can see him on, you know, TV or whatever. You'll hear, you learn from how he gets into these situations situations and gets his setups and what he does. But then understand if you come and look, you know, from my context, if you look at, at the behavioral side, now you can sit and understand, okay, now I know why that worked in that situation. But now I also know why it did not work in Colorado over the counter in my situation at that time. So just use it, chew on it. You know what I mean? You, you take it and use it as a tool, a foundation. Same thing with Tom Clum. You didn't jump in with Tom and he just throw, this is the bow you need. These are the arrows. All right, we're going to go out there and this is what you need to do. Shoot this way. No, he was, I mean, and to add to what you, I mean, I'm glad you said that. There's nothing wrong with listening to everything and then picking and choosing yes. what you want. And, and it was a Tom was, he had me try a ton of bows and then a ton of different strings. And there was, there was definitely doctrine. There was, there was certainly things that I had to do. And then there was other things he was like, Hey man, yeah. Now I'm one of those guys. I, I have one master, which is, I've, I've had multiple people. Hey man, I'd like to coach you. And I'm like, I, I got a coach. Yeah. You know, I don't, the, the thing with, which this has nothing to do with elk hunting. The thing with Tom is I can be shooting poorly, and I know if I can just go shoot with Tom for an hour, whatever that man does, whether it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside or whatever, I just feel better when I'm done, and he'll pull me out of a slump or make me feel more confident. And, of course, why would I change from that? No. I, literally, Jesus why Christ could come down and tell me today to stop listening to Tom, and I would tell him to get lost. I will not that he is my coach and that will never change. And I, I owe him everything as far as I'm shooting. And you brought it up last night. 
how me shooting did I can shoot extremely well and I'm not saying that at a bragging standpoint I can only do that because of Tom Clump I mean the I mean you 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 and, and I'm bringing this up because of calling you I could have listened I could have gone to many different coaches and listened to whatever but what he said made sense to me but let's say I didn't know Tom on a personal level before that and I tried I went and talked with Joel and he's flicking my ear and that's the end of that. Joel's not my coach. And then I go <laughs> see someone else and that coach is boring, right? Or he hasn't killed anything. He's not going to be my coach. And then I go to Tom and Tom has a, a history where he did have target panic. He was a snap shooter. He's killed a ton of shit. Okay, this is my coach, right? He, I can relate to this guy. There you go. There's a there's a relatable understanding there. And and I think sometimes when people like to bugle, they're going to cater more to Corey. When a guy's more of an engineer, analytical standpoint, they're going to cater Absolutely. to you. And so listening to all of them doesn't hurt. I listen to Rod Jenkins. I listen to all kinds of different coaches. No one watches one TV channel. No one just listens to one podcast. We we all watch multiple TV channels. We I listen watch to True Grit over and over. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> we, we we listen to different radio stations. We we listen to different music. We we get information from many different channels. And I agree. And I think you should because everybody learns differently. I am a visual learner. I you know I'm I can't believe I was not raised in Missouri. Show me. I need to see it. And that's why everything that I do. Most um, 99% of everything I do is video based. I can flap my gums, but I'm going to put an elk in front of you doing it. Don't argue with my interpretation. Argue with her. She's the one who just vocalized that way and got that reaction from that calf. He's the one that vocalized that way and that bull did nothing. He's the one that did this and she did. You get to see the elk doing it. But believe me, it took me a while before I catered more to what you were doing because- Yes, it did. I won- you have an engineer standpoint, sort of, um, not a standpoint. Analytical. An, an, analytic. I just want to pick and things when apart. when you have to fit packs to engineers, <laughs> it gets old. Um, it does. It, it does. <laughs> but the what had happened with me is watching lots of herd behavior. I would be like, yeah, Chris said that. Fuck, he's right. That makes sense. Huh. Well, and, and I'm going to have to even, eat crow here, you know? We, like, didn't even, <laughs> we didn't even touch on the fact that that's where I started. When I started my undergrad career, the reason why I went, you know, headlong into elk is because my job was to hike up into the high country, sit above tree line on ridges and literally record elk behavior five years in a row. I mean, that that's all I did. You sit for thousands of hours doing nothing but watching elk interact with elk and recording behavioral interactions, you can't not see these things. You can't not start making connections. You can't not hear things and see, you know, consistent, you know, activity to where, like you said, you start, you start to see it and you're like, wait a minute, hold on. I've got to reevaluate. Even by the house when they, when they cross, like you weren't there the other day on the over where I go at the end and shoot like 90, a hundred elk. Cross. That's awesome. And, you know, I grab my cow call, unless that's illegal, then I did not grab my cow call. Um, and uh, well, I just wanted to show Amy. Allegedly, a, a, I grabbed my cow call. I could call. have if grabbed alleged, it. If you did. If I had. Neither confirming nor denying whether I had a cow call. But I, I was, I, was I, I grabbed the diaphragm and I made a noise and, and there was a response back and I was explaining to her what was going on. And then there was the um, kind of the, what I call like a cow bugle where it sounds a little bit like a bugle. And she was like, is that a bull? And I said, no, it's actually, a, it's a cow. 
and uh, you know, and then you 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 had the the calf that I, I call the calf down, and then I said the cow's coming, don't it'll come, and then pretty soon she comes down and she's looking like who the hell is over here, and she's nudging you know the the calf back, in. and I was I was showing Amy that just so she could see allegedly, and that kind of stuff. If I just sat, because they'll stay there for hours feeding, just watch, you'll learn. I mean. Yeah. Just watch because at the very least, what you'll learn is how to make the correct noise and what is the incorrect noise at the very least watching. What I really learn is, okay, what got those elk to move? One, like, all right, what, what, and then what got them going? Like, what did they not like? Meaning the, in, in the group, there seems to always be like that, that retarded horse on King of the Hill or family (laughs) guy. There's one that's pissing off everyone. It seems like, or, or two, Whatever they're doing, I don't know, but a couple of them got kicked out of the group. I don't know what they did wrong, but they literally kept getting the shit kicked out of them by these other cows. And I'm like, I don't know what they did, but I'm not going to make that noise, right? I'm like, oh, what's going on? And watching all that, it's it's just a learning. It's no different than people watching in Boulder. It's fun. Yes, right? Like, <laughs> you might, that, be, dude, you right? might be disturbed you know, <laughs> by what you see, but it's educational. Yeah, exactly. And so when that, when I was listening to that, especially when you get into um, watching unpressured elk during the rut when you're not hunting and you're just watching, that's when you, or I really learned where I was like, wow, yeah, there's a lot I could be doing and, and things that I need to stop do to stop doing. So, well, where can people find you? Um, you know, give us your, your stats. Yeah, a- absolutely. Again, it's Roe Hunting Resources, R-O-E, uh, Roe Hunting Resources, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, but if you want to subscribe, I, I encourage. Obviously, I'm, I've got a, I'm biased, but I think you should subscribe. There's all sorts of different subscription levels, so it's cheap. Um, you know, just get on there, pick it apart. Um, and one we didn't talk about last time, and and for everybody to know. So when you get through, when you subscribe, it's going to obviously ask all your information, blah blah blah. But at the end, it's going to ask for a promo code or a coupon code. If they type in Kafaru, it'll knock twenty percent off that subscription price. So, I mean, dude, it's, it's literally cheap. I mean, like less than a pack of broadheads and it will fundamentally change how you engage calling and, and engage elk hunting just because from the behavior and setups and calling and vocalizations, um, I think it'll make a world of difference in their effectiveness and success in the field. And, and, and then the, we've got the forums on there. You've got my email. I mean, you can always ask questions and I'm firing away at it and, and answering people's questions. So it's a it's a great resource. Get on there, check it out. But yeah, row hunting resources, pretty much anything you can find me through that. Definitely ask them about estrus calls and challenge bugles, <laughs> without a doubt. So, well, man, I, I pre, it's been cool coming like up together or whatever, obviously for 10, 12, whatever years. It's It's been interesting watching, um, you know, both of us move forward and how the world has turned um in that time <laughs> dude, uh, dude it is it, i i am very i'm i mean heck i'm sitting in a in an unbelievable studio listening to you i mean I'm, I'm listening to your podcast these days and dude they're just getting better and better so i mean kudos to you guys i'm i'm sure frank is probably the reason why everything is so successful <laughs> yeah, right. so, he definitely but... <laughs> helps it run smoothly that's for sure um, no dude it, it, it is I I am very uh I'm very happy to see where you are I'm very happy these days where I'm at and uh I, I'm just I can't wait to see where things go in the future 
Yeah, no, it's 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 uh, and it's it's going to be a, a hell of a year for us. Well, whether or not we kill anything is remains to be seen, but we've got a bunch of uh, you know hunts planned out. And I have had people say, "How do you how do I get Frank's job?" And I'm like, "Really? Do you really want Frank's job? Like <laughs> take abuse repeatedly for for <laughs> what was I pissed years? off about for yesterday or was it the day before? Oh, me? we ran out of frames. And I already, oh, yeah. I already already thrown my temper tantrum about running out of this frame. And so then I tell Frank, and he throws the same temper tantrum I did. And I'm like, Frank, you don't need to tell me this shouldn't have happened. You don't need to go on and on about why it happened. And he's like, but it's not fair. I get to bitch too. I said, right. I, I didn't get to complain. <laughs> <laughs> you had your turn. Give me not, my chance. Yeah, exactly. I, I got to get it off my chest, damn it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's good. And it'll be good. I mean, luckily both Frank and I are passive for the most i'm passive aggressive like a motherfucker but i mean hunting wise i'm more like hey what do you think yeah all right yeah whatever which is good you know what i mean and and um there isn't like you know i don't there's not really anything too much obviously with hunting like with with frank or whatever there the only thing i got to worry about is if i kill anything i can't tell him because i don't want him to screw his hunt up to come help me so i'm gonna have to hang it all in trees i'll tell him later so i'm not be able to put it on insta google tweet face because be like that son of a bitch kill one he didn't tell me but because we'll be a couple miles apart i guess yeah. yeah are you are you guys gonna basically do the solo thing then uh for the mule deer or, stuff I mean, yeah you're camping together yeah or or you camping separately or we'll be camping probably a couple miles apart. I think and... I'm nine miles in, he's eleven, something like that. Seriously. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll be in there fifteen, sixteen days. Yeah. yeah. Quite a yeah. while. Both yeah. of you both of you have two elk tags then? I'll have two. I'll I'm not sure yet. I might yeah. get a lispy. I might get a lispy for rifle season for my, with my dad, but, but we'll yeah, see. Mule deer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Two two elk tags. Oh elk tag bull tag each and then um or either sex tag each, and then uh, I'll have a I'll have a lispy cow tag for sure. And then nice. uh, we deer head tags. up to hunt with uh, yeah deer tags. And we head up to hunt with um, Gabrielle and Charlie, the Phelps crew, and then uh, in Montana. And then we go to potentially BC for mountain goat. After that, and then I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. And then uh, I go to Alberta. You go to Idaho. I go to Alberta. Actually, it's me and uh, um, uh, Levi. Yeah, Levi Morgan. And, and Levi, Ooh, I don't think like that should be an interesting. <laughs> I would love to see that. The, the one thing I found is he's going to film it, right? For yeah, a show. Yeah, yeah, I'm a better trophy hunter with a recurve, just flat out because I have to wait. And people Which gives me immense pleasure. Understand that. They're like, what do you mean you have to wait? I'm like, well, when an elk comes out at 80 and I shoot it, the hunt's gone. But now I have to wait forever and more elk come out. And, and I, I may not be a great trophy hunter, but I'm not stupid. If now a giant bull's come out and they're relatively the same distance, yeah. it doesn't matter. And I've killed bigger animals with the reeker for, for the most part. Um than I had with my compound, not all, but I mean, I've killed some good animals with the recurve. So we're going to do the, the goat hunt and then Alberta and, uh, we may hunt a whitetail hunt in between there, but in Alberta, Lander is with me and Ryan Harder, um, who's super close friend is taking, um, Levi. And so they'll be, cause Jeff is a stick bow guy. And so 
he really wants me to shoot, whether he'll admit it or not, a bigger deer than Levi. And <laughs> we're in the same unit, um, you know, and it is heavily hunted and it's it's a lot of oil field land and whatever. But it'll be an interesting, um, you know, ordeal or whatever. Um, and I'm more familiar with it than Levi. I've been up there before, so that'll help. But it'll be interesting to see how it goes with the, the stick. Luckily, I'm shooting better now than I ever have. And hopefully that... Uh, continues i was dropping bombs at 50 last night not that i'm going to shoot an animal that far away but i'll shoot one at 40 and um and and i can shoot really well at 40 and i'm glad that i can because i don't want to get to a bedded deer at 40 and not be able to shoot it if that's as close as i can get so that's awesome bro one thing we talked about yesterday was there's always the stigma with the stick bow that you have to shoot close but Aaron's proven that wrong every day he's shooting the target at 40 yards groups like that i'm like what the dude you're but see, in in my world, that's still – you didn't call that out, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you can't get – if it's not in teens, if it does, if it's not in teens, it doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Good Lord. All right, my phone's blowing up. Everybody check out Row Hunting Resources. Ask him about Estra's calls. Um, <laughs> and uh, definitely tune into that because, you guys, it is, it's a wealth of knowledge. He's a wealth of knowledge, and it's a great resource when it comes to, to elk hunting. So definitely check it out. Thanks, brother. Yep.